Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Living the dream once again on a spectacular Saturday. It is Hartman and Papinga coming alive from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Well, usually we're sitting here in SoCal bragging about our weather, but uh, we got a little drizzle today. And, of course, yeah, tomorrow yeah, the yeah. Academy Awards are tomorrow Ugh. in ho- nearby Hollywood. I think and, last year uh, rained heavily. In the same weekend of these Academy Awards. So. Yeah. Well, I Something mean, I'm, I'm looking at you. Now, I mean, yeah. normally I'm looking at a guy in T-shirt and shorts. <laughs> you know, you got yeah. jeans on. Yeah. You got a long I got my skinny shirt. jeans. Yeah. I like that. I love the skinny jeans. You know why, ladies and gentlemen? Because mm. they're tight. Tight. And why is it that I like tights? Well, I wore tights, as do all football players, yes. for, I don't know, 20-some-odd years of my life. Mm-hmm. It's a great experience. You should try it sometime, Steve. Put the tights on, and it actually feels like you're almost... Not fully, but almost naked. I don't know if I really want to feel that I'm almost naked. Although you saw me in my tight underwear. I mean, I (laughs) did wear that. Yes. That was good. You're right. right. Yeah. yeah. So So you could do it. You have surely the self-confidence to pull it off. I have no no doubt I have the confidence to do that. All right. We have a lot of things we're covering here on the Saturday, uh, and including, obviously, foremost on our mind is what's happening at the NFL Combine. Uh, I watched quite a bit of it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, sort of fast forward. I'd record it and then sort of zip right through. So we call you it general was, manager Hartman. Right. Right so now. it was the uh, offensive linemen and the running backs yesterday going through all their yeah, yeah. drills yesterday. And there were, there were two big stories, one really positive, one really negative. Let, let's start with the positive, though. Yeah. And that is Saquon Barkley, who once again put on a show, 233 pounds, yeah, runs yeah. a 4-4 flat 40, 29 reps at 225. So, again, he's one Looks of those good. guys that impresses. But I keep getting back to something about watching Barkley, as we did all season long. Yeah, he would come up with those spectacular plays, but there were these long stretches in some key games where yeah. he would just 
disappear. Yeah. Like, where is Saquon Barkley? Yeah, he's, well, let me, let me tell you right now. He's not the number one best player in the draft. If you have him draft, if you draft him, I would say for the top 10, you're making a huge mistake. Why? Simply put, running backs, first and foremost, there's a number of them in this draft. Okay, so if you ended up not getting Saquon, <laughs> you got Love, you got your guy Penny. Yeah, there's a lot of guys out there. Chubb. I mean, you well, Love's not coming out this year. Love's not coming out. No, no. Bry- Bryce Love is staying at Man, Stanford. For some reason, I, th- I thought I saw that. No, no, uh, no, no, no. Bryce Love okay. is staying at Thank Stanford. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for correcting me. I thought I saw him on the top five. Well, you list. got Chubb. You've got, got Chubb. Uh, you got Michelle, Penny, and then yeah. you got a bunch of Ronald other guys. Jones who uh, pulled up lame yesterday. Yeah, but you got a bu- yeah. He's he's something else too. Yeah, but you got a bunch of guys that we don't even know that much about. Uh, does anybody remember a guy by the name of Kamara last year? Oh yeah, we were yeah. talking a lot about him, weren't we? And ran not a, at all. And, by the way, he uh, ran four five seven last year. Yeah, so, so it wasn't that you know Kamara. Was, speed that matters. Yeah, but my point with Saquon is, is there's a lot more. I mean, it's just history's proven. You can go get an undrafted free agent to do the stuff he can do. Honestly, you can get a third, fifth, sixth round or whatever. Don't go waste your top ten pick on that kind of guy. Secondly, like you'd mentioned, he disappeared in games because he showed a sign that was tremendously troubling for me, and that was whenever there wouldn't be much gaps in the defense, there was a wall of bodies. What he would always try to do is he would think, I'm going to hit the home run. At least I'm thinking he's thinking that, which is I'm going to bounce it outside and try to use my speed and athleticism and and just burn the defense. And instead of, you know, taking that one or two yards and just saying, all right, we're going to get back in the huddle. And, you know, instead of being in, you know, second and 10, we're going to be second, nine, second, eight, maybe even third and five, third and six. Nope. He would lose yards. Which you know what that tells me? I have, a, I have doubts about his toughness. I'm thinking he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want to stick his nose in there. And if you got a running back that you're going to rely on to be a running threat that doesn't want to stick his nose up in there when there's nowhere to go, like all the great running backs do, you got yourself a huge problem because he becomes a glorified wide receiver sitting in your backfield, makes life way easier for a defense. I have huge red flags. I don't care if this guy ran a 4-0, weighed 275 pounds, jumped 50 inches. I don't care. He's not a top 10 pick. He's not a first overall pick. Yeah, maybe late in the first round you'd make it because he's got tremendous upside. You do because you could feel like, hey, maybe we can coach him up here. But I don't even know if it's coaching, Steve. As I think about it, it's mental toughness. And you can't change guys' mental toughness. You can't. They are who they are. You know, you you mentioned that toughness. And I always go back to a guy I have a lot of admiration for. I saw him firsthand. This is going back. Hall of Famer, Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen was a four six four seven guy. I mean, he he was not a speed guy. But the one thing about Marcus Allen, he was insanely tough. Remember, he was a fullback for a Heisman Trophy winner before he became the tailback. He also played how long? 16 years without any injuries. Unbelievable. 16 years. And the thing about it was, was you talk about, you know, getting what is available. He was one of those guys who would take a two yard and make it four because he would always lean forward. He would dig in and turn, turn, turn. But again, into the line, tough, not worried about, you know, anything. And it never got hurt, by the way. Never seriously hurt. So there's another attribute of a running back that. You know, unless you watch film and really dig deep into the film, you're not going to see it. Emmett Smith was the same way. Remember, right. he was a four seven guy. Yeah. But what made him so great was longevity too. Mm-hmm. And he had this ability again. Unless you dig into the film, you're not going to see it. And that is an ability. It's an innate ability that some of these guys have to where they're they're able to avoid direct hits. Right. Which only helps your exactly. longevity because you're not taking the same wear and tear as these guys like an Earl Campbell. I'm just using him because he's an extreme easy example. Is he absorbed all those big hits? And if you're able to avoid them and deflect them, you're going to last a lot longer. Yeah. 
I mean, you mentioned Emmett Smith, guys that never got hurt, and yet they were always productive. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know about Saquon Barkley, and there's all this talk that, you know, the Cleveland Browns are sitting there with the first and the no. fourth overall picks. They're not going to do it. By the way, uh, speaking of the Cleveland Browns, uh, we have been talking about Kirk Cousins as a possibility because obviously they have the cap space, but according to reports right now, he's not on the list. You like that? Uh, they are not on his list. Uh, Kirk Cousins, according to reports, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't go there if I was him. It's a rebuilding project, and he's at a point in his career where he needs to be a contender. All right. Well, let me his ask you this: window is closing. All right. Here are the four teams that apparently are on his short list. Uh, they are the Jets that I believe are still the favorites because they have the most money to give him. Yeah, if that's the route that's, he wants to I'm go. With you there. And then you got the Broncos, Cardinals, Vikings. So you have three teams. Obviously, the Vikings are, are right there. The Broncos and Cardinals have talent as they are 500 teams just looking for that quarterback to get them to the next level. So when I look at that list, when you look at that list right now, Kirk Cousins, if it's not just about the money, what's the best fit for him? Well, I mean, it's good. It's either the Vikings or the Broncos. But he's going to have to take considerably less. No question, because the Vikings, they're going to play. They, they, they're playing this so well. They they basically told all their guys their carryovers, yeah. Keenum, Bridgewater, even Bradford, which okay, yeah, but yeah, the big ones, Bridgewater, Bridgewater, and then Keenum, right? We're gonna let you test the market, yes. Which they're basically they're they're saying that we don't feel our teams are gonna value you as much as you think you should be valued because our system with our weapons are what are making you pretty darn productive, and we feel like we could almost plug and play guy, and in that same breath. When they go and negotiate, as they are now, mm-hmm. negotiation period has started with right. players and agents and teams. Uh, when they go to Kirk Cousins, that's going to be their message. That, like, we're not going to pay you crazy money. We can go. A, we can go get one of these guys that has already had tremendous success with them, like Case Keenum, or we can go into the draft. We feel fully confident we can bring in a young gunslinger, do like the Philadelphia Eagles did, because don't they have? Did, what's his name? Dil, Dil Filipino? <laughs> Do you remember his name? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. But he's the quarter, he was the quarterback's coach for the Eagles. Now yeah. he's the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. D. Filippo, baby. D. Filippo, yeah. Way to be. D. Yes. Filippo. So I love you guys. D. Filippo. But D. Filippo, man, he's sitting there going, yeah, I, I don't need Kirk Cousins. I would love to have him. And, and when you're in that situation, you can dictate the term. So Kirk Cousins has got a tra- choice right here. Do you want to go and like make an extra four to five million a year and be known as like the highest paid guy, or do you want to go win championships? I have a feeling he wants to go win championships, but like you mentioned, the Jets almost like you can almost justify that he can get both best worlds there. Well, the Jets again can give him considerably more money. It's it's uh, as opposed to these other three teams, they just don't have the cap space to give him the kind of money that the Jets can actually give him. You know, you mentioned about the Vikings. Uh, Mike Zimmer had a pretty. Pretty interesting line about Case Keenum. I mean, you know, the guy did help you get all the way to the <laughs> NFC Championship good. game. And he said, yeah, you know, the thing about our quarterback situation is if we make the wrong choice, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> and then he, then he <laughs> was talking that. and he was it's talking so specifically about Keenum. He goes, you know, um, you know, is he is he is the guy that showed up with the Rams going to be the guy long term? He's or? negotiating through the media. I mean, is that unbelievable? He's so smart. He he's you know what people don't realize he's a Bill Barr sales per- disciple. Yep. And the best way you can ever be about any play, and he, you know, you always sort of nudge the guy because he's doing two things. He's negotiating through the media, and then he's trying to build the chip on Case Keenum's shoulder so it's so big yes, that he's like, fine, coach, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'll take less money and come back, and I'll show you I'm worth everything that I was asking for, even though I'm not going to make you pay me that. Yeah. 
and he's gonna go play great, and, and Zimmer's gonna be at back to yeah, go. Man, like, yeah, I played your, a, I played your mind. If perfectly. you give him a long term deal, is he gonna be like the guy he was with the Rams, <laughs> or is he gonna be that the guy? Awesome. I mean, it was pretty unbelievable that when you think so about it. Smart for him, the to kind say of season that. that Keenum had for them. So uh, all this is going on right now. It's a really interesting time. All right, we're here in the uh, Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Now we mentioned, obviously, Saquon Barkley putting up some shockingly good numbers. And then there was the flip side, a day to forget. But was it fatal for the future of Orlando Brown in the NFL? We'll tell you coming up next. Harbin and Papinga, you got to get to Hooters. Try the new smoked wings. It's a whole new way to crave wings with all the taste and half the calories. You can eat twice as many out at Hooters. Sounds good. All right, now... um, let me ask you this, Brady, because yeah. you are a guy that <laughs> That had... sound effect. I can't move forward. What was that? Where did you pull that from? Let's hear it again. Let's hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's Quagmire from Family Guy. Come on, Brady. Just make yeah. sure. Yeah. There it is. That's unbelievable. <laughs> are you kidding me? Anyway. All right. So, um, Brady, as someone that was uh, had experienced... Uh, <laughs> The Combine, your Yeah, son. yeah, oh yeah. By the way, something, I, I was watching LaDainian Tomlinson uh, yesterday. He was uh-huh. one of the commentators on the NFL Network. And they were they were showing the running backs running their 40 times. And they asked him, when's the last time you ran a 40? When you got clocked in a 40, he goes, the Combine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the last time I was sit there and somebody clocked me in the 40-yard dash was at the combine at the yeah. beginning of my NFL career. Never during my NFL career did anyone say, let's find out what your 40 time is. So it was. It's it, not that important. <laughs> let's just call it as it is. All right. Well, it's if it's not important, speed. how you important is place. what happened to Orlando Brown yesterday? So this was a historic <laughs> bad combine for a guy that most people projected as a mid first round pick, unanimous All American at Oklahoma. He had the backside of Baker Mayfield, giant of a man, 6'8", about 345 pounds. He checked in, actually down from 380. He goes out and runs a 58540, which was the slowest by far <laughs> of any of the offensive linemen at the Combine. And then to make matters worse, 14 reps at 225 for a 350-pound man. That also was dead last by far amongst offensive linemen. So 14, what's more alarming, 585 or 14 reps? It's actually the 14 reps because what it tells you, he came in out of, well, I mean, they're both kind of bad, but the 14 reps, if you're an offensive lineman and you're that big, you should be able to sit on the couch for months on end, walk into a rate room and at least do 25 reps. Right. So it shows me that this guy has done – he hasn't done anything. He has slowly just deteriorated and atrophied since the season because the season film looks good, but then you're seeing this and you're like, we're going to have a project on our hand, and it only compounds because if we draft this guy high, pay him a lot of money, he may feel like, oh, I don't have to work anymore, and he'll just show up, be a poison, be kind of one of those guys that you're always going to have to ride where it's just too high maintenance. I wouldn't be a buyer for him at all. I don't care what round it is. I'm done. Like this would have ruined it for me because I can't afford in my organization to babysit. These guys are pros. It should be a given that you show up and you're able to get your job done. Now, if you work out, fine. If you don't, fine. But you got to show up and go. And this is those moments to where you got to go. You got to show us that, hey, you're capable of doing something. You can't show up and look like a pedestrian, which he did. I mean, you could probably, honestly, I could walk through a high school right now and find, 
I don't know, two or big high schools. Okay, I'm yeah. not talking like go to right, right. you know some Timbuktu place and it's a school of 100 kids. But I'm here talking, in LA, there's a lot LA, of LA. I, I, I bet you I could I could sweep LA and find five non-football guys who've never played football that weigh over 280 pounds. <clears throat> They're just big guys that don't work out much. Walk them into a weight room and almost get 14 reps out of them. Well, most one. people said 20 would be the minimum. Like it, 20 reps at that size yeah, is like not, the minimum. Yeah, but I'm not worried too much about the number. I'm worried about what this means about his work ethic in the weight room and what it means for my organization. Because my organization, I can't afford to babysit kids. I can't afford to, hey, we had we had guys like this. We had guys, when I was with the Packers, you draft them high. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a lot riding on this kid because he's going to determine your security, your stability in the organization. And they did. They would. Ha- they'd have to have like a babysitter, making sure he's lifting. They'd always have to have a strength and conditioning coach. One of the four or five we had, always watching him, pushing him. And it's like, why waste away a resource on a guy that, you know what? You could go with somebody else. Go with a third rounder that maybe's not as gifted and works hard. That you don't have to spend that kind of attention and energy on. And organizationally, it, it benefits everyone. So. I would immediately, I would have crossed them off my board. It's interesting. You you also talk about 40 times. And, of course, you're like, how is a 40-time relevant for an offensive lineman? But when they put up his 585 amongst the slowest ever at the Combines, yeah. you never heard of any of these guys. These are yeah. guys that obviously never played in the NFL. But there then is, they put the, something, but when you put, when you put the fastest, you guys have <laughs> broke five, five seconds. Tons of them, right? You see Richie Incognito. You wow. see Lane Johnson. You see names that you recognize that actually <laughs> – did play in the NFL and played well good. in the NFL. Yeah. So, yeah, you're not going to run a straight 40-yard dash, obviously, in your shorts as an offensive lineman. That's not what it's about when you're looking at these guys. Exactly. So, I want to see, are you in shape? Well, that's let me ask it. you this. As a he guy wasn't. that had to take on these offensive linemen, bigger than you, so you're a guy oh, yeah. that's got to fight these guys off. Yeah. What was more important from their uh, standpoint is you're taking them on. Was it speed, quick feet, strength? What was, what was the one thing that was – most effective against you, let's just say. Yeah, it was a, well, it was a mentality. It wasn't even physical. Uh, you have to have yeah. the basic, you know, the basic strength. You have to have a certain baseline of strength and stamina and quickness. And technique. Oh, well, technique's like huge. Right. That's the number one thing. Sure. But a guy, I mean, look, Mark Tauscher. You mm-hmm. ever seen Mark Tauscher? I don't know. He's not a specimen. Yeah. I don't even know if he broke 6-0 in the 40. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the guy, you're like, I don't know about this guy. I don't even know if he can play. But what made him special, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame for the Packers this, this summer, right, by the right. way, and uh, is that he would never break. I mean, and he had great technique, but you could go at him over and over and over and stick your face in him and bull rush him, and he will not break. You couldn't tire him out. He wouldn't, you know, take a playoff. He wouldn't, if you inflicted some, you know, pain on him, it wouldn't all of a sudden, okay, I got to, you know, I'm, I got to feel sorry for myself, and now I got to, you know... You know, gather myself. No, he would just move forward and let's 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 move to the next play. And and those kind of guys that you have to go toe to toe with that will not flinch. I mean, it tests you. It tests you to the highest level, and that's the best trait of an offensive lineman. Because I've played against all different sizes, all different speeds, athleticisms. But the guys that you always be like, dang, that dude was freaking good. Was the guys that are mentally tough and they just sustain it throughout the duration of the game, no matter how many times you roll them, no matter how many times you ruin them over, no matter how many times you stick your face right up under their chin. Yeah. And you hear them go, ooh, because you know you're inflicting pain on them, but they keep coming back, coming back. Oh, those guys are the best guys. Ephraim Salam, by the way, was one of those kind of guys. Right. I played against him when he was with the Texans. So he was long in his tooth, sure. late. 
but he wasn't this big physical no. specimen that you know he's, he's one of our tall, our companions yeah. here. Yeah, but he, he yeah he has laying all that kind of stuff. But he would he would he would he took it like this is I'm just going to keep showing up. Right, you know what I mean. And, but that's how you have a 13 year career like him. Exactly, and he played great as a seventh round pick, by the way. Yeah, but then you look at these other guys that are physically gifted mm-hmm. that are just mental midgets, right? That you can break and you know it. Like, and every team knows it. Like, we're going. This is their weak link. This is the guy we're going after, and we were we're going to bull rush him. We're going to attack him, and we're going to make him have to go the distance, like a boxer, basically. Sure, you know where he's got to take on the pain of it, and we don't think he can. And and those guys usually don't last for long. No, and, 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 you know, getting perspective from many offensive linemen, uh, Nick Hardwick, who I work with down in San Diego. Scrappy sucker, too. You know, another one of those guys, he was a wrestler yeah. in college who saw Drew Brees lead his Purdue team to the Rose Bowl and thought, That'd be maybe he should try game. football. <laughs> yeah, so he right. tries out as a walk-on, and by the end of his career, he's all Big Ten, and they, he forged an 11-year career. But he, he just talked about what it was. I mean, what's it like to be an offensive line? He was a center. And he says, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's a war. I am, I am, he goes, he would throw up before a game combat. because I yeah. know that I <laughs> am going to be in a 60 minute war yeah. out there with these monsters. And you cannot flinch. I'm telling no. you, I will never flinch. And there's a bunch of other dudes like me out there on defense. We will never flinch. Right. So we're waiting for you to just give us that one little hair of, I'm going to take this playoff, maybe I'm not going to go, and we're going to take advantage of it. Right. So he knows, like, you can't afford to even have one moment of a breakdown in technique, a breakdown in your assignments, a breakdown in your toughness, a breakdown in your stamina, even though your lungs are burning, you feel like you're going to faint, you've gotten stars because you do have a concussion that isn't noted on the concussion protocol. Right. And you got to fight through all of that and still know your assignment. That's legit. That's where... And that's where this doesn't measure it. This right. this, this doesn't. You're, you're, but there is. I would say there is an indicator when a guy comes in and isn't in shape that I could say, yeah, I have a pretty good feeling this guy is not going to have mentally what it takes to survive, and therefore he. And I, I I'm going to retract what I said earlier. I wouldn't drop him off my board because he would be physically enough right. of a of a of a of a guy with potential there to where you know you get him later in the draft. But I wouldn't touch him in the first three four rounds. So. Yeah, I, I tell That's you, that. toughness. Look, when I when I was just checking out, obviously one of the guys, uh, offensive lineman, is getting a lot of attention is Quentin Nelson, the Notre Dame guy. Yeah, uh, but you seen his film? Pretty flipping good. <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's interesting. People don't quite understand this how this works with the draft. So every team puts up a draft board, and they don't put it in order of who they're choosing. They put it order of talent. In other words, well, who they. They grade as right. the best guys. Who is yeah. the highest graded player? That's how yeah. they do it. That doesn't mean they're going to draft the guys because some teams will go for need. Now, I always say the best move is always take the best guy on the board. Yeah, that's figure it out. Generally, that's the, the smart best, way yeah, to go. The best way. But uh, like a Quentin Nelson, I mean, he could be just, top three just on the, just about everybody's board. Yeah, just interject there. That's why Aaron Rodgers ended up with the Packers. Right. There because was no need for Aaron Rodgers because Brett Favre was there. But hey, he had him all the way at the top of their board. They, and they're like, yeah, well, they, he was the only first round grade they had left. Yeah, in the draft, and he's like, shoot, we're. I mean, how, we either got to trade back or pick him and. Let's go for it. It's so, always smart to go pick, with the best player yeah, and then figure unless, it out later. And then use the need to to be the tiebreaker. Like if you have two guys that are a virtual tie and they're both staring at you when you're picking, okay, then you go, well, who do we need most? Then we, you know, you go with the need. But it's all about the board. You're exactly right. Uh, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. We have a Josh Rosen update. Josh Rosen Yeah, yeah you had a good update. interview. Uh, to give you, but uh, right now, what's trending? Let's uh, check in right now. K-Fig. 
jumping in with all the latest in the sports world. What do you got, Kev? All right, guys, some more news out of the combine. Some uh, some terrible news potentially uh, for Michigan defensive tackle and projected first-round pick Maurice Hurst. According to a report from ESPN, he's been diagnosed with a heart condition and will not work out with the other members of the defensive line group today. Uh, he'll undergo additional testing to, de- to determine the severity of the issue. So that's something that bears monitoring, something you guys mentioned a little bit earlier in the show. Another report from Adam Schefter of ESPN talking about the final four teams vying for these services of free agent quarterback Kirk Cousins. They include the Denver Broncos. Arizona Cardinals, New York Jets, and the Minnesota Vikings. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Plenty of action in top 25 college basketball at the moment. All games currently in progress are early in the second half. Third-ranked Xavier with a 10-point lead over DePaul, 47-37. to A win for the Musketeers. They would win the regular season Big East Championship in the Big 12. Texas on that tournament bubble at the moment. They lead 20th-ranked West Virginia, 56-50 to early in the second. Also in the second, 23rd-ranked Kentucky and Florida battling it out for one of the top seeds in the SEC tournament, looking for a double bye for whoever gets a victory. Victory here. Currently, Florida all over Kentucky, 64 to 46. Coming up at the top of the hour on Fox TV. Actually, not on, not on Fox TV, but it will be a Big Ten matchup between second-ranked Michigan State and Michigan in a semifinal of the Big Ten Conference Tournament. Gentlemen? All right, K-Fig, thanks so much. Uh, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. We're talking about the NFL Combine in Indianapolis and joining us right now he is there basically the world of the NFL revolves around him he has he has control of this league he's from Sirius <laughs> XM NFL radio sporting news NFL insider our buddy Alex Marvez joining us once again Alex you've you've covered many combines uh, anything strike you a little different this year or is it business as usual it really is business as usual, except for the fact that, you know, listen, we, we get so many trades that have been done already or agreed to, and now you've got the Jarvis Landry situation in full swing, and it's obvious the Miami Dolphins trying to shop him, and Mike Tannenbaum has never met a draft pick that he hasn't tried to trade, so the Dolphins acquiring Robert Quinn from the Rams for a fourth-round pick and a swap of six-round picks. It, it's just an, an amazing philosophy they have in South Florida. Don't develop your own players <laughs> and reward them. Spend for outsiders who you don't know. That is a, the Dolphin way. Robert Quinn is set to make 11 and $13 million over the next two seasons. And while he once was a very good pass rusher, I don't know where he's at at this point in his career. And again, as the Dolphins adding even more salaries to their team, it is just a very, very strange organization. How'd that happen with Robert Quinn? Was it more the Dolphins pursuing him and the Rams realizing, hey, all right, we don't have anybody who's untouchable, really? Maybe except Jared Goff oh, and Todd Gurley. Well, a little bit of both. Remember, too, the Rams have to clear out some salary, right? And, and you know, they were going to have to make some decisions because you're going to have to re-sign Aaron Donald this offseason. And, you know, you can't even do this stuff in a vacuum because you got Todd Gurley coming up the following year. So you're going to need to have salary cap space. And also LaMarcus Joyner and Sammy Watkins are both set to become unrestricted free agents. They may want to keep one of those two, I would imagine, most likely Joyner. 
with the franchise tag. It's, a, it's about $5 million cheaper to use on a safety than it is a wide receiver. So they had those decisions. For the Dolphins, the pass rush dropped off, and Cam Wake is going to be 36 years old. He's still their best player. Uh, Quinton Groves just had a, a really poor year for them at defensive end. And, uh, you know, Charles Harris, I thought that's why you spend a first-round pick on a defensive end. But again, what do I know? Dolphins augment their pass rush. Robert huh. Quinn headed their way. Let, let's talk quarterbacks of the combine. The headline on Josh Rosen, he's not an a-hole. Uh, apparently he charmed everybody yesterday. Uh, at the, that, that, that's the headline I'm reading. So w- what did you take away from that? I mean, I, I get a sense, and I, I've, I've had a, a couple times to talk to Josh Rosen. He's a really smart kid. Uh, is he just playing everybody right now? What is your sense? I don't think he's playing everybody. First, it's like these assumptions by media people who have never met this guy, covered him for any extended period of time, and they're grading a news conference. I mean, are are we serious here about this? You know, if that were the case, Johnny Mantell would be on his way to a Pro Football Hall of Fame career since he nailed it, right? Remember, he no longer wanted wanted to be Johnny Football. He was going to be serious Johnny Mantell you know, said all the right things. I mean, listen, Josh Rosen, the, the big concerns are, it's, it's not even if he loves football, it's just the sense of entitlement that he's had at times during his career. Remember the hot tub that he put sure. in his freshman year at UCLA into his dorm room and, you know, making some brash comments. And, you know, listen, he's got parents who are very involved with him and, and you just wonder, okay, is there going to be parental leanings on him that make him feel the sense of entitlement type of thing? I'm just, and listen, I, I've never met his parents. I just am telling you what I hear from NFL scouts. Now, you know, Look, I think that he's a top five quarterback. I, I don't think it's going to take away anything from him there. But, you know, the guy who helped himself at this combine the most was this morning in Josh Allen. And, I mean, he could throw the football literally a country mile. He's a country boy. He threw it a country mile. 70-yard <laughs> throw, hit 55-yard passes as well uh, during the morning drills. I mean, and this is the type of thing. I'm not saying that Josh Allen is going to become a great quarterback. None of us know this. But it's the type of thing where his physical traits are going to make the Cleveland Browns say, wow. We're having winter games. It's December. This guy looks like Ben Roethlisberger. We have Todd Haley as our offensive coordinator. Look at the success he had with Ben. That's going to be very, very tempting to take Josh Allen. But Josh Allen, though, when is the last time? I mean, he did not dominate the college ranks. You just look at him play. No. And but when's the last time a quarterback came out was a turned out to be a franchise quarterback that never even dominated the college ranks? You know, there. Well, not only. <laughs> Not only that, I mean, well, we could say Joe Flacco, right? I mean, and, you know, obviously he went on to a Super Bowl. Nick Foles wasn't, I don't think, great in college. But I think the thing, though, that you look at, too, Brady, because I'm with you. You know, you look at, at the completion percentage, and he's never completed more than 57% of his passes during the college season. And when I hear that, I think Jake Locker, right? Mm-hmm. A guy who had it all together physically but just couldn't throw. And, and that's the big concern with Josh Allen. He needs work. I mean, but, but again, the raw tools are there. I also do question his maturity and not that he's a bad kid or anything like that, but you know, he told me himself, look, I talked to Nick Foles and Nick said, I'm not Nick Foles. I'm sorry. Carson Wentz, the guy he's compared to, and and he, they're good friends. And, you know, Carson said, look, these are 30 year old guys. They're making their living off of this. They got to support their families. You as the quarterback need to set the tempo for these guys. And if you're not ready, don't turn pro. Josh Allen thinks he is. We'll see. All right, we're uh, talking with Alex Marvez, Alex Saquon Barkley, as expected, off the charts with all the numbers, 4-4 flat for a 233-pound back, uh, 29 reps, everything else. Brady and I doing our show every Saturday, we would we probably saw half of his games this year, a lot of them big games, and he would make the big play and then disappear. I mean, just literally disappear for large stretches of some big games out there. This is the one thing I said all season about Barkley. Where is he? I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> he only had 300-yard games the entire year. 
Uh, and there were stretches in a lot of these games when he would disappear. Now, Brady has talked about maybe a, a lack of toughness, trying to hit home runs every time, and if it's not there, really of no use. So what happened yesterday? Is this just like guaranteed that he could be a top five pick, maybe even the number one pick? Or are people going to ignore the fact that he just disappeared in a lot of games last year? Well, you know, that's, I mean, you win the combine, right? Does that make you the number one pick? You know, because he did. I mean, look, you, you look at, he had, what, a better vertical jump than Julio Jones, a better bench press than Joe Thomas, and he was faster than somebody else. Like, like when he you look at it, He was faster than Julio Jones. Yeah, I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, just, just what you see from him. I, you know, listen, I, I'm, as you know, I had to torture myself watching my Florida Gators much of the season, and that's where my Saturday focus lied, of course. But, uh, you know, in the times I did see Saquon, the, the one thing that you wonder is, okay, how much of a, of a dominant in-between-the-tackles runner is he? And that's really where you make your bread and butter yep. in this league. You've got to be able to pop it in there. And I think that's one of the things the teams are going to ask themselves. But, listen, this kid is so likable. And he's super smart, and he just he brings it. I mean, he's just he's a physical specimen, and you know that's why I just think he's up there. Plus, remember too, this is a year where you have teams that need running backs, and that's a lot of what this, the draft sometimes is, just based upon need in the draft. Cleveland Browns, Isaiah Crowell is going to become an unrestricted free agent. You look at the New York Giants; they haven't had a good running back since the heyday of what Tiki Barber. I mean, you know, we're going back that far, and then and then the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I think the Colts are going to go with Bradley Chubb in North Carolina State. I just think that they don't. There's just not a pass rush help in this draft or when you're sitting there at three that's going to be a guy that's really appealing to them but I think Barkley is a top three top four type of, of caliber player well the last year or actually two years ago you, you were able to, to to find Dak Prescott and tell everybody that he's going to eventually be the great player or at least in position to be the great player that he is right now who's the guy that you've ran into so far that you've you know left that conversation or at least left the direction go wow this guy's got it's that factor well, that everybody's looking for. It's funny, you know, because some of the running backs are, are like really dynamic personalities, like Darius Geis. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. just saying running backs real quick because that's, that's someone I got some FaceTime with. And, you know, when you shake his hand, Brady, it's coarse. It's like this guy actually gets out and works. You know what I mean? Like it, his hands were rough, and I and I sort of liked it. You know what I mean? Oh. My my partner on Sirius XM, Rick Neuheisel, uh, you know, who's much more you know schooled in this than me, especially quarterbacks and coaching, et cetera. He loves Luke Falk. He thinks that Luke Falk of Washington State hmm. could very well be this year's type of Dak Prescott. He's also very intrigued by Mike White of Western Kentucky. So those are two under the radar players, and you know we just really want to see more from from Mason Rudolph of Oklahoma State. You know it was. Some good buzz after the college season. He put up a ton of numbers, but then he had a foot injury. He wasn't able to go uh, at the Reese's Senior Bowl and, you know, just sort of dropped down a little bit. But he's a guy who you're going to start to hear some more buzz about. And, of course, the Lamar Jackson debate is going to continue. Is he a quarterback? Is he a wide receiver? <laughs> Whatever that is. Uh, he'll get drafted as a quarterback, but I know where Bill Polian's going with this. Yeah, but, is it, but, but hold on real quick. It, but isn't only Bill Polian the guy that's even suggesting that? Nobody actually working as a general manager thinks that, right? That you've No, there are others. To. There are others that do. There, there are, are others that do. Yeah, there are. I well, mean, they really? asked him. They were there. There were people there that asked him to work out as a wide receiver. He just refused, well, right? Oh, that well, that, is see, this so is this has also become another controversial type of thing, right? Where you know, NFL Network reports something, and then you know, he says, "No one's asked me," and all of a sudden, we're waiting to see. Well, okay, what is the actual case here? At that, if he doesn't want to play it and isn't going to be willing to play it, then teams that don't have interest in him as a quarterback will just take him off their draft board. I mean, it's real simple. What what Bill is trying to say here is that he believes he can have a more productive career playing wide receiver in the NFL 
than quarterback. That's what he's trying to say. And listen, Bill likes the kid. I mean, he wants him to succeed. He's just offering an honest opinion about him. And people got their pitchforks out accusing Bill Polian of all these things. And it's like, no, you, you don't understand. Bill just, that's his talent assessment. I mean, he could be right, he could be wrong, but that's what it is. All right, final word. Now that Orlando Brown's uh, NFL career is over, according to all reports, uh, what exactly <laughs> does he plan on doing after football? Well, first, first thing he's trying to do is finish that 40. So hopefully by Sunday, he'll be done at that point. And That's oh my God, he just, it, it was sad. It just, you know, because I, I don't like to see kids fail. You know what I mean? Like, and, and this young man, you know, I don't know him. I, you know, I know his dad passed away and he was a great football player and everyone loved Zeus. And, you know, it just was, was sad because he just, he didn't look prepared. Like he, he just like out of his element when he did the bench press and he said that he lost uh, track of his breathing. You know, he's not a 40 yard dash guy, but you got to run faster than five, eight, six. And then he get called out for loafing during the drills. I just think psychologically, he just had such a horrendous weekend, you know, and, and you know, look, can the guy play football? You go back to that. You look at that at Oklahoma state. He's not a left tackle, obviously. Right. But he's a huge guy. And if someone can work with him to reshape his body and drop some more weight, remember he was four fifteen in high school. Jeez. Okay. So, so if this kid can lose some more weight. He can be, I think he can be a good NFL player, you know, but the problem is, you know, for him where he's going to be drafted, he probably lost hundreds of thousands of dollars at least in in draft stuff this weekend just that's where you can blow a combine you know what i mean and he'll have his pro day to try to help out but guys it was a mess for orlando brown and that's a shame that is tough all right alex as always thanks so much uh, enjoy the rest of your time in indy yes yes get i'll shake this hang over and i'm good to go thanks. all right very good alex thanks, marvez alex. joining us right there once again xm nfl radio sporting news nfl insider all right we're in the geico fox sports radio studios we touched on the lamar jackson situation some people are even terming what's happening to him as racist. Is it? We'll tell you coming up next. Harbin and Papinga, great news. There's a quick way for you to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes you can save 15% or more on car insurance. One of the more intriguing players at this year's Combine is certainly no stranger to us. After all, he won the Heisman Trophy two years ago. He's a Louisville quarterback, Lamar Jackson. And there were – Bill Polian was the one that really threw it out there, saying that Lamar Jackson might help himself in his future at the NFL if he considered a move to wide receiver. <clears throat> and when people got wind of this, <clears throat> they immediately went to the race card. Well, because it it is it is, but it's different racist than right now. The I mean, malicious kind. Now I'll the question that. is 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 this racism still alive and well? Of the thirty two starting quarterbacks in the NFL this past season, twelve were African American. I think a lot of people would assume that we've sort of moved on from the days of Doug Williams and Warren Moon. Oh no, uh, that oh, no. but apparently not. I mean. Did they miss Lamar Jackson in college? Anybody see him throw the football? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I he was awesome. I mean, the ball. I, again, this is a guy. This isn't like watching, and I know I'm not trying to knock him. Michael Robinson, who right. played for Penn State, Penn State, who yep. struggled throwing the ball. I mean, he was okay, good enough to be a functional college quarterback. And there was like, yeah, you're better off going to running back. Eventually, you ended up as a fullback, as a being fullback, an all pro yeah. fullback. Yeah, and, and so that made sense, you know. But I'm going to tell you what's what happens, okay? And and we talked about this before, but. When the Bill and Bills, you guys, I always reference it because it's very telling as to 
how general managers and scouts and coaches all think about different players. And when you get in, for example, when you get into a, a meeting, the first thing that these general managers want to do is they want to find someone in their history, either directly or indirectly, that they know, are comfortable with, that they've had success with, that they can compare you to. They want to say, oh, this guy reminds me, you know, if if you're you're Bill Parcells and you're the Dallas Cowboys when he drafted DeMarcus Square, what was his first thing? Oh, I believe he's the next Lawrence Taylor. You heard that. Yeah. You know, if if you're Bill Belichick and you, you draft Gronkowski, you're like, oh, that's Mark Bavaro. And so what happens is is it's not really a racist thing to where you have these preconceived notions about what race, one race can do versus another, but it's more about you have this reservoir, as I'm going to use Bill Parcells' words, Yes, this reservoir of players that you've had success with or had seen opposing teams had success with that you face, and we're like, wow, that's an impressive player, that you've said, okay, these, this is the model <clears throat> that I go for. And unfortunately, in that model, skin color plays a role. Give you an example, Bill, Par- uh, Bill Pullian never once had a black quarterback in the history of his time as a general manager. I could see in his subconscious and his psychology of evaluating players, he can't envision that. He can't see have, or having that feeling that I had success with, with a guy that looked like that. And, and, and it's not just the color. A lot of times it's the way a guy moves. Uh, I, I experienced it personally as a linebacker. There's teams that, man, they struggle because, again, it's sort of the past history because they didn't have white guys as linebackers that had a lot of success with buying into the fact that a white guy would be, between quotations, athletic enough <laughs> – yeah. To be a linebacker in their scheme, and so they 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 tend to stay away from the white guys. You well, know what I'm saying? You, well, and it's so it's not really the racist. It's yes. more comes down to who you're more comfortable with and the prototype you're more comfortable with. And sometimes skin color plays a role in that. But I mean, other features do too. Whether it's your arm length, for example, Baltimore Ravens they look at a different type of outside backer than the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it has to do with height. You look at James Harrison. He made it with the Steelers because they didn't care if he was 5'9 and stubby, whereas, you know, like the Bill Parcells 3-4, no, no, he would never make it as an outside linebacker, at least, you know, with the old school Bill. Now he is with Bill Belichick because they want the tall, lanky guys like a Willie McGinnis. So it's it comes down to where they do discriminate against certain features of guys. Yeah. But it's just what they're comfortable with. It's not that they're maliciously trying to be racist. Well, you you, you pointed out the pack, uh, fact last week that when Michael Vick came out, everyone was comparing to Randall Cunningham when <laughs> in answer, he like- was a clone of Steve Young. Exactly. Left-handed quarterback, yeah. athletic, and that was that's who he was most like. He oh, was no like Randall, Randall Cunningham was a big tall guy. He was totally a different. Strider, right. you know, more of a, a like well, really kind of a, like a they call him like a, a slippery guy. Right. Whereas Vick was an explosive you know, uh, change of direction guy. That's what Steve Young was. But. Well, Lamar Jackson is making it clear. I'm a quarterback now. By the way, at and the I compound, like he, did he didn't. He didn't run the forty. He's not going to do any of the benching. He's going to do that for private workouts. That. I don't need to see exactly any of that. again. He's then, shown me then, all that I need way, to see. When some people said, "Well, it's I not like racist," uh, Julian Edelman. He switched to wide receiver. I go, "You're going to compare <laughs> Julian Edelman's college career as a quarterback to Lamar Jackson? <laughs> Come on! I mean, it's just unbelievable." <laughs> all right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. NCAA basketball. Is it about to go extinct? Rolling on on this Saturday. Hartman and Papinga coming alive from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. We are watching uh, some of the quarterback play at the Combine right now. Continue to update you on all that. 
They all look good in shorts. I love to have they have the big stadium out there. There's like eight people there. You have a couple scouts, you know. Why, why do you have to have it in the big stadium? I'm not quite sure about Where that. Where else would they have it? I have no idea. You have a local high school. <laughs> local I mean, these are, I, there you go. I don't know. I just, the whole combine thing, it's. It's, it's so fascinating. It really is. You just watch. All right. So, uh, college basketball a week from t- tomorrow of course will be selection sunday for this year's ncaa basketball tournament and to say things have been crazy in the world of college basketball would be the understatement of all hell broken loose couple stories before we get to where exactly we're going with this whole thing of course uh, yahoo sports was uh, front and center as far as breaking news yeah. they were the ones that got a hold of this andy miller list that had all these names of players, some of them current players, some of them former players, and dollar signs attached, you know, with the implication that, you know, the agent was handy money or loaning money or, you know, some kind of money was exchanging hands. All these schools, by the way, did their own internal investigations and decided, you know what? I don't see anything here. Guys continue to play. But then ESPN, and I know how it works over there. You know, they get under a lot of pressure. We yeah. can't let Yahoo Sports own this story. We need a bigger story. Mark Schlebach comes up with this story where he finds out that there's been a wiretap situation involving Sean Miller, the coach of Arizona, a discussion of $100,000 to DeAndre Ayton, and all hell breaks loose. I mean, this this is a bigger story. And then all the other news sources are trying to get out more information on the story, and what they find out is, Nothing. They so have they nothing. say. And then Sean Miller comes out and, and basically says, this story is fake news and the university is backing him up. Now, the unfortunate thing for Sean Miller is the three guys that gave him verbals for 2018 Gone. all pulled out. They don't have a single recruit in their 2018 class because they all pulled out. You now, fake news. if, if. This, this is a serious accusation. You understand that. Is, if the University of Arizona can actually prove yeah. that ESPN put out a fake story, or when I say oh fake story, they were fed yeah. fake information that cost the university, there could be a major lawsuit. I mean yeah. a major lawsuit. Now, right now, ESPN is backing up their writer, but in the process, they've changed the timeline two times on when this actual happened. And what's significant about that timeline is either it was before he committed to Arizona or after he committed to Arizona. Because Sean Miller says, I didn't talk to this guy until he'd already committed to Arizona. So you got all this, you know, but here's the going kicker. on. So let me, that's that's let me what's tell been you, going on. All let right. me tell you, this is the kicker. All right. Darren Rovell. This Darren guy Ravel, yes. is embedded. He's very involved with the business side of he's sports. He's a business guy, yes. He tweeted six hours ago. NCAA president Mark Emmert says organization will look into allowing college players to be paid for endorsements. I'm telling you, there is no discussion about, hey, maybe we should pay these guys for endorsements. At this point in the game, if there isn't smoke where there's fire, and what I'm saying is, is Mr. Miller, most I, I, I this is my conspiracy theory, Steve. Okay. He did it. He knows he did it. The NCAA knows he did it. And then, like we talked about last week, you got to be careful because if you're going to set the precedent with this guy and fire him and send him on his way, then every other single coach that comes to have they, they come to have some evidence of them being involved in paying players, you're going to have to do it to them too. Which it would be a shock if teams like Duke, if teams like North Carolina, Kentucky, 
did not pay these top recruits because it's a free, it's a market system. It's a black market system. But I've said it before. If, if you're one of these guys coming out of college, one of these top prospects, you think tremendously high of yourself. I'm telling you, you're looking at your buddies. And oh, by the way, all these guys become really good friends. When you talk to the elite prospects because they're at tournaments together, they're competing against each other. Uh, they forge very close relationships. They talk, obviously. They're t- saying to each other, oh, yeah, this school offered me X. This school offered me Y. You're not going to tell me that some of these guys are going to be like, well, you know, I know my buddy over here. He's going to get paid hundred grand to go to Arizona. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to Duke. You know, and, I can, and, and sometimes it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. Duke, yes. you can say, hey, you know what? Trzeszewski yeah. is a heck of a program. Blah, blah, blah. I could see where that's the case, but I highly doubt it is my point. So what I'm saying is, is that Miller, NCAA, the athletic directors, or whoever's the athletic department of Arizona got together and said, okay, we got to be very careful because if we're going to oust him and all of a sudden there's information that comes in about Krzyzewski, Calipari, Roy Williams, Bill Self, what are we going to do? Fire all those guys? And what do we have now? We don't have NCAA basketball. So pull back the reins, make a statement, deny it, make everybody else have to prove it and go through the process. And in the meantime, Let's see if we could come up with an answer, which is let's sort of create a new system. Let's start thinking about a new system. So to me, it all makes sense that it only is leading to where now the NCAA is looking. We need to react because if there's nothing there, you know, the NCAA would know that. And therefore, they wouldn't be thinking about trying to change the system as I mean, this is dramatic change. This is pretty much making the guys professionals if you're going to allow them to make endorsement. Well, now now let let. I'm going to lay out a whole game plan here because, remember, this obviously involves the NBA. The one-and-done rule is the NBA's rule. The NCAA has no control over that. <laughs> so ironic. That is the, the NBA's rule yeah. and the NBA Players Association. And part of the reason that one-and-done rule was put in is because of this influx of trying to scout high school players. I mean, you see LeBron, you see Kobe, you see Kevin Garnett, and then you get Kwame Brown. Yeah. High school superstar, number one pick in the draft, and he's just not that kind of a player. So this made it more feasible for the NBA to scout players if you force them to go to college for a year. Sure. But here's what I would do. Now, this is this is twofold. If I'm the NBA, forget the one and done. Let's get this one and done out of the way. Here's what you do. You go back to the idea that if you want to come out of high school and play professional basketball, you have the right to do so. Yeah. However, what I would do is this. I would adopt what they do for college baseball. In other words, if you don't come out straight out of high school, you have a three-year commitment to college. Obviously, that makes the college game a whole lot better. Yes. But let's say this. Let's say you got a high school kid, and he's not LeBron, but he doesn't. He wants to go professional. Fine. Then what you do is what they do in Europe. The European leagues, they sign these kids when they're 14 years old, and what they do is they become part of an system. academy. Exactly. They, they go to school, they have like an academy, and then they play in these clubs. So if you take, let's say, the G League and expand it, make it a true developmental league, where if you take a kid out of high school, he's not ready for the NBA, but you help him develop his game and make it an expansion, creating your own minor league system. Now the problem for the NBA is that's going to mean more money out of their pockets. But... I think it's going to be a much better situation to develop kids that maybe decide, I don't want to go the college route. Fine, you don't have to go the college route, but you're going to sit here. You're not going to make a lot of money. There's no guarantees that you're going to make the big NBA money. Remember in Major League Baseball, did you know this about minor league baseball players? I always said, how much do those guys make? They don't make much. They make less than minimum wage. 
They make, and in fact, this was in front of Congress a couple years ago. Do you realize if you're in a low-level minor league baseball player, now I'm not counting when you're drafted and getting those millions and signing bonus. I'm just talking about your salary. You're making $1,000 a month. Yeah. For a 60-hour work week, you're making less than $3 an hour. Even top-level yeah. minor leaguers are making $2,000 a month. That's what they make. Yeah. So that would be an option for the NBA. Now, as far as the college game is concerned, and Mark Emmert is open to this idea, the reason you can't pay the players is Title IX. The Title IX rule requires that if you were to pay your star quarterback, you would also have to pay members of the women's rowing team an equal amount of money. You could change that rule, but that's the way the rule stands. But if you allow them to make endorsement deals where they can sign an agent, go back to Johnny Manziel. I mean, he generated tens of millions of dollars for Texas A&M University by winning that Heisman Trophy. If you had allowed him his sophomore year to have an agent where he can Mm -hmm. sign autographs, do commercials, whatever, what's the harm? There is no harm to the NCAA. See, this idea of amateurism, it already went by the way of the dodo bird in the Olympics. There are no amateur athletes anymore in the Olympics. There is no – and this is why the NCAA – but the reason the NCAA does that is because they are a nonprofit organization. But, yeah, they still make a lot of money. Those The president, I mean, he makes a couple million. Emory makes what? Two, two million dollars a year. So they're a nonprofit organization <laughs> under the guise that they are an educational institution. But let's, let me, I've, I've, I've heard many people misunderstand what nonprofit means. I, I had a lady tell me this last week at my son's a, uh, like club basketball. Yes. She's like, this is a nonprofit organization. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Because she's like, we don't make a profit. I'm like, dude, let me explain to you what a nonprofit means. What a nonprofit means doesn't mean that you don't make a profit. What it means is there's not one single entity on the end of that profit that's taking it in. Basically, the profit goes into an account, uh, you know, savings account, what it is, and gets recycled back in through the system. So, you know, for whatever reasons, for salaries, for you know, building up the infrastructure or anything like that. But it doesn't mean you don't make a profit. Right, You're no, making no, no. money. No, but listen, to this it's I'm going to read. The- I'm going to read an actual definition. Here's what it says. Okay, all right, this ahead. is the actual definition of a nonprofit organization. In economic terms, that's what we're talking about. Yes, exactly right. It is an organization that uses its surplus of the revenues to further achieve its ultimate objective rather than distributing its income to the organization's shareholders, leaders, or members. Uh-oh. So the NCAA, <laughs> so here's what happened. On Tuesday night, I was at the San Diego which State what Basketball I, which game. Which I said in layman's terms. Oh, no, but I, what I said but, in layman's terms is right, is yes. that they make a profit. They make tons of money. But they're not supposed to be paying their, they're, they're, by the way, their top 14 executives on the board are making $10 million. You can pay yourself, but it, it, it uh, no, still no, no, has no. to recycle Let me through. realize this. That the surplus of revenues to further achieve its ultimate, now but what Steve, this, is, but the But it's still equated in the revenues is that the, the salaries will then be right. held up against the you know as an expense and that's the you know it, the point is is at the end of the day there's not an entity that's taking in all the money it's supposed to go well, back and into the, idea the organization is, the idea is well I'll explain we're in the Geico Fox Works Radio Studios so where is all that money going exactly and what would college basketball look like if there was no NCAA basketball tournament We'll tell you coming up Ooh. next. Harbin and Pepingo, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in your car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. So can you imagine a world without March Madness? Heck no. All right. So to give you an update on the NCA contract with CBS and Turner, they just extended their deal through the year 2032. Mm. And in the last eight years of that deal, the NCAA 
will get $1.1 billion a year. That's a B, ladies and gentlemen. Just for the NCAA tournament, $1.1 billion per year. Okay. So we're talking about some serious, serious money going into the coffers of the NCAA and then assume, of course, that it's distributed to all the different institutions. Remember, the NCAA, now, again, that's just Division I men's basketball. That's, that's not women. We're not talking about Division II. This is Division I men's basketball, $1.1 billion per year. Mm. That's a staggering amount of money. It's unbelievable. And again, when we talk about how that money is distributed, I had a conversation with uh, J.D. Wicker, the athletic director at San Diego State. And one of the things he reminds me is, look, regardless of how much money is coming in, the NCAA plays a role in providing money that's generated basically from football and men's basketball to create the opportunities for all these other student athletes to participate in all these other sports without that money they don't exist there is no money it's true too for all this which is true yeah, that is true ton of sports are not self-sustaining right and not they only that subsidized. when you go to these major campuses and again i'll just use here in los angeles when you go to usc or ucla and you're seeing new buildings constantly <laughs> rising from you know nowhere I mean, I, I I went to UCLA 40 years ago. When I look at the campus now, it's unrecognizable. <laughs> Where did all this money come from? Well, largely it came from sports revenue. Oh, yeah. This is where the insane amount of money comes from. So this is in defense of the NCAA. But then we say, all right, let's say the NCAA is so corrupt. Now, I mean, LeBron James called him out. A lot of people are just saying oh, yeah. they're not fixable. So if we were to take the NCAA out of basketball, gee, I love that because what this is well, how then, it would look. then you would have apparently college football because remember there is no NCAA tournament for college <laughs> football. How are no. they doing? But what I'm saying is, is you should it should be more structured as mm-hmm. basically every organization represents themselves. Yes, and that organization. Well, shoot, see, this gets this gets deep. But that is really going to divide the haves hap- and the have-nots. Yeah, exactly. It'll divide, but see, that's where you'd have to have some kind of it. Uh, you'd have to have a revenue sharing system, like the NFL. Like well, what I'm saying you, is, then you'd, you'd have, have to, to have a regulating that. body. If it's not NCA, then it have to be something else. That's what I'm saying. Is what I was thinking is you'd have each the regulating body would be the 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 the, the athletic the, the athletic directors and departments would act like the owners of each individual program is that a healthy situation no don't forget that one whoa pull that i'm pulling that one back i'm alabama in football like uh see you later not doing that uh i mean it's it's a hairy deal i mean it really because it you need to have the ncaa because it needs to be a governing body but it needs to be restructured as to how they're governing and the biggest thing, and I, and I thought Daryl Vell's report of them allowing endorsements, that's a huge... Like if and you Mark did Emmer, that, by the way, is saying, now he says as far as paying the athletes, no, but if you said as far as creating an, a, a situation where if can, regulated, endorse the money, he is open to the idea. You can't Emmer regulate said. it, though. you got to just let it go and be whatever it's going to be. But, I mean, that means if you're not going to pay him, that's fine. The NCAA always wants a cut of the pie. They'll say, I'll let you make an endorsement deal, market. but then you're going to have to. You're like, going to create a black market. That's the problem. But it, what they need to do is let it just be. Go get what you can get. And I mean, I, I I see a situation. I told you this to where yeah, the big guys, the recognizable names, they're going to get their endorsement deals. 
but I could see boosters coming in that have big businesses that would love to have even more of an opportunity to use the school to to help them promote their product services or whatever their business is. And, and instead of just paying it to one player, they'll pay it to the whole team that then can be divided equally amongst all the players. And you have a number of those kind of situations. You know, you get guys paid through that medium. And it's basically what the boosters are already doing, paying the coaches, really. And so it, it creates an opportunity now where that money can get funneled to the players. So there's a, there's a tons of, like, to me, there's just tons of possibilities that can happen. And I am, I almost like it better than having to try to figure out all the mathematics behind how do you pay each player equally according to the revenues. Now you got to split them up, all that kind of stuff. Okay, you know what? You guys continue making money you're making. Let us just go make our money. I don't see any problem with that. I, I like that. Well, at some point you say, well, where, where does the greed end? Apparently there is no end. I mean, the more and more money that everybody is that's being brought into, and again, we're just using basketball as the example here, the more money everybody wants in their cut. Now, the NCAA basketball situation has gotten to the point, and let's face it, all the millions and millions of people, tens of millions of people, hundreds of millions, I don't know. It seems like everybody does a bracket yeah. for the NCAA tournament. 99.999% of the people that fell out of bracket don't even cannot name five players that are actually in the tournament. I yeah. guarantee you. Yeah, I'm 99.999% of the people that will fill out a bracket could not identify a probably not a single player but try five play, give me five players in the tournament. No way. No chance. So this is such an all-or-nothing situation with the power of March Madness for college basketball. You talk about all-in. Yeah. That if in any way it was gone or eliminated or, you know, somehow harmed. It's not going anywhere. Now, Jalen Rose, he suggested that the players should strike. <laughs> it's what, it'll never happen. That uh, they should all walk out after Selection Sunday. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, what the, the problem with that is, is okay, what's next? Who's going to negotiate what? How? What's going to be the agreement? You know what I'm saying? Like, can you imagine the NCAA he, having to walk all that money back to the networks? Yeah, but if you're and the then, players, oh, then they turn you, around and say, "Oh, geez, how do you achieve gonna, that? Like, who's going to negotiate for you? What terms? And when you do get terms agreed upon, how is it going to benefit everybody? It's not like they're controlled by a union and a collective bargaining agreement that then would kick into every single person that's part of that union. But it's uh, not, they're not organized that way. So, and the Taylor other Rose, part, yeah. I like what you're thinking, but it would never work. What has to happen is. There has to continually be pressure. There already is with the court system and the Edo Banning case to where, because to me, this is it. They've He's shown already his cards a little bit, Emmert. Emmert. Yeah, Mark Emmert, yeah. Mark Emmert. He's shown that we are looking into the, the yes. endorsement. And if he does that, that actually takes care of the Edo Banning case, which he won. I had Ed on a show this week. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure he's he's liking it because it's all it's all bound, it's bound to happen. And if, and if that happens, I, I, I'll like it. And then we can see from there, because, I mean – even get these like Alabama's last year and these teams that participated yeah. in the, this, you know, quasi college football playoff with ESPN being the main sponsor. Man, you know how many opportunities you would get just by being in that? And that'd be a heck of an incentive for guys to get in. I understand there's limitations in terms of access, but you're going to get, point is, is you're going to get paid for being on that stage. Whereas right now they're getting duffel bags of clothes and sweats. Uh, well, they're probably getting paid cash too, but, <laughs> but not that we know of. Okay. Not that we have hardcore evidence on. So, point is, is, I would love that. I mean, to me as a player, I'd almost say, forget paying me. Let me just go get the endorsement money that I can get, and let's 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 see what we can go well, and, it, and, and achieve. And, and then, I mean, I had a job where I did sales, like in the off well, season. You know, it is. You I would love to, but listen, to this I would have loved to have been out doing sales for myself, calling up local 
you know, uh, businesses or whatever selling my likeness. And say, you were hey, not allowed the- to work as a scholarship athlete, right? No, I was. No, yeah, by NCAA rules, you can't hold a job during the season. Oh, not during the season. No. I was in the off-season. Off-season, right. Yeah, but I'm saying in the off-season, that's right. Instead of selling somebody else's product, so I could you, be working on selling live? my own how did, product. How did you live? How did you eat? Oh, my gosh. It was... Now, um, nowadays, they say the off? rules have changed since you were in college well, where they don't go hungry anymore. Yeah, well, they see, yeah, I mean, well, at first, when I didn't, my wife, she took great care of me. Yes. Because she was older and she's, she had right. a job and those kinds of things. But when I before that, I mean, you're like scraping the back yeah. of the freezer looking for those burritos, and I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> I mean, they don't give us anything, and I got to go out and work out for three hours. And you couldn't even work like uh, a couple hours a week at the student store, or someone no. just earn a couple of bucks. But you I were mean, not I, even allowed to do that. No, no. I mean, it, it was tough, and especially like luckily, also I had support of my parents. Sure. But you had these lesser, you know, these kids from the, the the rough areas. Their parents couldn't afford to send them extra money or whatever. It was just like, dang, they're living in poverty basically. It just and it's like, man, now you got to go trot into the, you know, to the facility at five in the morning, go work out for three hours. And then afterwards, you don't legitimately have like a n- good nutritious meal that you can turn to, to help the very thing, the cause that you're here right. for. I mean, it just, it's a broken system, but it's moving in the right direction. What happens with broken systems in our society? Cause we have the free market and, you know, it's more kind of like in theory, but still it, it tends to start to move in the right direction. And I do believe the market right now is correcting itself in NCAA and in and, and, uh, the, the NCAA sports in general. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. There are certain aspects of this story, though, that can never fully be corrected. We'll get to those, but let's bring K-Fig back on. Kevin Figures watching uh, hoops. He got the combine. He got a lot of things going on, K-Fig. Plenty of stuff, gentlemen. We'll start with some college hoops. I'll get to some combine stuff uh, in a moment. It just went final in overtime, by the way, in the Big 12. Texas currently on the bubble, but it got a big victory over 20th wing West Virginia in overtime, 87 to 79. Texas didn't have Muhammad Bamba in this one. Curran Roach did have 22 points there for the Longhorns in the victory. Also currently underway, just underway in the Big Ten Conference Tournament, a semifinal Michigan with an early 14 to 9 lead over Michigan State. Elsewhere, 18th ranked Syracuse, excuse me, 18th ranked Clemson has a, is trailing Syracuse 14 to 7 early in the first half. Some finals from earlier today. Third-ranked Xavier got a bit of a struggle versus DePaul, but they did pull out a 65-62 to victory uh, with Trevon Blewett scoring 22 points, leading the Musketeers. They win the regular season title for the Big East Conference. First time they've done that. 23rd-ranked Kentucky loses to Florida 80-67. to Jalen Hudson with 22 points there for the Gators. And I mentioned Texas getting the victory over West Virginia a few moments ago. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore, with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. News out of the NFL scouting combine. Michigan defensive tackle and projected first-round pick Maurice Hurst has been diagnosed with a heart condition and has been sent home. He'll not work out with other members of this position group. He will undergo additional testing later to determine the severity of the issue. And since, guys, we love talking about measurements when it comes to this time of year, we'll like to know that Josh Allen has measured out as the top when it comes to ranking among quarterbacks. It's pretty much every single category. Should it matter? You guys tell me. Uh, the tallest, <laughs> he's the second tallest quarterback at 6'4 and 7 eighths. Uh, the biggest at 237 pounds. Biggest hands. This is hand size season two, by the way. That's the thing most people make the biggest deal about. 10 inches, 10 and 1 eighth inches hands. 33 and a half vertical jump and a 9 and a half inch yeah. uh, uh, broad jump. Yeah, uh, K Fig. 
Uh, Alex Marvez huh. uh, said it. Uh, you basically described Jake Locker. Yeah. All right. So uh, <laughs> how did Jake Locker's NFL career go? Yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. And, and one more, uh, one more note yeah. too before I toss it back to you. We know one of the better stories is uh, Shaquem Griffin, the linebacker from Central Florida. Uh, just repped out 20, uh, 20 reps on the bench press at 225 with a prosthetic uh, claw-like machine. I don't Sweet. know how else, to, how else to describe it yeah, on his uh, on his hand. But uh, repped out 20 reps of 225 on the bench press. Pretty impressive for a guy that most of us are, of course, rooting for. Yes, uh, no doubt. How does that make Orlando Brown feel with his 14 reps? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, K-Fig, thanks so much. Hey, great news. Quick way for you to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. The ongoing investigation of what's uh, been happening behind the scenes in college basketball. And remember the timetable we're looking at right now because, you know, we have a week from tomorrow, we got Selection Sunday. And, you know, all these schools are addressing all these accusations, their names on lists and everything else. The, the one thing that there is no way to 100% police is exchanging money to players. No. Because there's so many ways to do it. Oh, I mean, yeah. if you have, in other words, like you said, when you were at BYU, you were married. Yeah. So if you are receiving money from your wife or your wife's family, that's fine. Fact, oh, okay, okay, okay. Right? Yeah. There's no, you're not breaking any NCA rules. Literally, if, though, are you? Because it's like... I mean, if she's paying for your vacations, it's like, I mean, is a family member, can they do that? Yes, and this is this is the problem. So, and this has been going on since so the beginning of happen, time. So, what happen, though? So, yeah. technically, if my wife, like, let's say she got a job. Right. And there was a booster. And they're like, ooh, we want to help the, we want to help the program. We're and the booster pay suddenly you, put $100,000, gave her a $100,000 bonus. Yeah, and she's just making that money. And then, right. is that still legal? Well, how do it you police be, it? It should be, technically. Because exactly. it's her job. According to NC rules, it is legal. See, this <laughs> but is, you can't police it. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't because, again, if you – look, at, we've seen many, many times – this and, happens in basketball where a top recruit gets their dad a job. <laughs> this is what happened to Danny Manning at Kansas. That's right. Danny Manning at Kansas. He was the number one high school player in the country. He goes to Larry Brown in Kansas, right? And his dad gets a job as an assistant coach. The next thing you know, he's sitting right next to Larry Brown. Now, is that legal? Well, I mean, it, Technically, he was he's he hired was, as the position. So he was really a coach. Yeah. It wasn't like he was, you know, some, yeah. you know, and he, we're impressed with you. And, oh, it just so happens his son's coming as well. <laughs> I mean, how do you? So, I mean, it's an incidental I, thing. Right. I mean, how do you police this? If someone, if someone goes to a top recruit and they go to grandma. Right. And say, uh, you know, and they leave a bag of cash and all of a sudden grandma goes, hey, I found money on my doorstep. Where'd it come from? I have no idea. Should I turn it back in? Well, I don't think so, grandma. Finders <laughs> keepers, losers weepers. <laughs> and then, there you go. And then grandma says, well, I don't need this money. Do you need some money? Sure. I could use a little money. Grandma gave me money. I, there's no way to police that. No, you're None. right. Yeah. So this idea that, well, if we clamp down and all these illegal payments are going to end, then it, it's, it will go. It's been going on forever. It'll continue to go on, especially in a sport like basketball, where a guy can change everything. One player yeah. has more impact in basketball than in, in any other sport. Yeah, and they're getting paid already. 
Like that's like that's one thing that everybody needs to realize. And so it's not that you're all of a sudden, and this is what I find fascinating. It's not all of a sudden you're going to open up these floodgates. The dynamics of the game are going to change. It's going to be unrecognizable, and the competition is going to be so unfair. You're going to have the haves and the have-nots. Wait, I'm already describing current NCAA basketball, mm-hmm. NCAA sports. It's just going to be what it already is. And so, I mean, to me, just the the part I have a problem with at the NCAA is integrity. Because they want us to believe it's one thing when, in fact, it's something else. They want us to believe it's amateurism right. at its essence. That's why they 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 coined that phrase student-athlete because they didn't want to pay the insurance or be responsible for the insurance of athletes back in the 1950s. So they made up student-athlete, meaning you're going to play for us, but we're not responsible for you like you were an employee. And then now— You're a student that happens to play sports. Exactly. So you got to be you know responsible for your own— insurance expenses, medical expenses. Now, obviously, it's evolved since then, but it's come to the point it is professionalism. I've lived it. It is. It's just as professional as professional football. In some places, it's better. I mean, I remember when I was with the BYU Cougars, we flew on this jet, and that was a, donated to us from uh, a booster, and it was all first class, every single seat from the very back. Better than what you flew with the Packers? Oh, the Packers, we'd fly like a, a regular Delta plane where you have like six or seven rows of first class, which is coaches would all sit in, by the right. way. yeah. And then we'd all sit in the back and coach. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, man, this is quite the step down from the planes we used to fly at BYU. Yeah, but that's BYU. So, but the point is, but I'm just saying, like, that's, I mean, every school does that. There's, I mean, you, not Ohio every State, school. Ohio State, for example, not every school, but I'm saying a lot of the, a lot of NCAA college schools. I mean, it's it's they already charter flights. But my point is, it's already professionalism. It's right. already like at a professional level, everything they do, except for calling it professional. And that's what my whole point is: is like call the ace, the ace, set it up for what it really is, which is professional sports. I tell my brother that all the time. Coach at Virginia, I'm like, you know, he's telling me about all the dynamics and. The business side of it, I'm like, man, how does it feel to be in professional sports, man? Wow. Quite the dynamic. And he knows every, it is. It's professional sports. Just let's make it what it truly is, is all we're asking for. And it looks like they're moving in a direction, letting the endorsement money actually be part of the equation. You know, I, w- I-, I mentioned a conversation I had with J.D. Wicker, the uh, athletic director at yeah. San Diego State. And I, I brought up the idea, and I got to, you know, I, you know me, I like to get into it. Throwing Ooh, it out there. And you're I, controversial. And I, the best and thing you do, about, yeah. I'm going to talk, pause. The best thing yeah. you ever do is you put words in people's mouth. Of course I, I love do. that. Yes. And some people actually, you do it so subtly, they believe <laughs> that they actually said the right. thing that you just put it in their mouth. And you catch them sort of like, what? I said that? Oh, wait, you're right. I just said, okay, um, yeah. And then, uh, and then you create a controversy. What I, what I it's just really impressive, is, your ability to invent that. I amplify what they say <laughs> to work for me. Here's one of the things I brought up with him. Uh-huh. I talked about you know scholarships. And I said, there's no money out of your pocket with a scholarship. In other words, you're not paying the athlete. You're just letting him go yeah, to school free. Exactly. And that was one thing he really hammered me on. He goes, oh, no, that's costing us big time. How? That's money that we could be bringing in. With the regular student? That's that's what what he's, that was what that, he was see, saying. See, that's a fallacy of a belief. But I said, whoa, 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 whoa. That whoa. regular student's not going to make you money. Thank you. Boom. Thank you. That's exactly, that was my, because he was like, no, 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 that, those are costing us. When we give somebody a free ride, that's money taken out of our coffers. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, but <laughs> if you don't bring in that athlete, what, I mean, the sports is what's creating all this revenue for the university. What was his response when you sort of laid it out to him like that? Was he? We moved on to the next subject. You was know, he was like, when, oh, 
That no, makes no, sense. he was no, he was adamant. He kept going over and over again the fact that no, 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 no. When we give somebody a well, scholarship, that is not, not for what that is. is money out of our pockets because it's money that uh, you know. Obviously, if you're paying your way, that's money. And, he, and I said, well, how many athletes are we talking about here? I don't know. What, what do you think they scholarship athletes? You know, because they have hundred and fifty, about three hundred, maybe. Well, they have because a lot of what happens is you don't have full scholarship. You have full scholarships, but some of them are divided up. I would say like a safe number would be four hundred out of how many students go to uh, San Diego State. I I don't even think it's four hundred. I think it's like three hundred full scholarships. Some are divided over. Right. right. But okay, so So four hundred times. But how many students go there overall? Thirty <laughs> thousand. I mean, I mean, so we're talking okay. Ten percent is three. Right. You're talking like one percent. Yeah, one percent. One percent. Oh, that's money out of our pocket. Yeah, that would three hundred students that would be otherwise paying us money. Oh my gosh, that's huge. Yeah. Whereas, is that unbelievable? But it's like, wait, you got to look at like the ledger. And then they're those, making and you, those other thirty thousand students that are paying their way in. How much revenue are they exactly. generating for your university? <laughs> You see what I'm going at? Oh, yeah. so this, it's a fallacy of their thinking. They, they, this is again. This is this. I again. Where else do you hear the term student athlete other than post game during the NCAA basketball tournament? It's, it's the only time you hear it. They'll come out. Team one. Uh, any question for our student athletes? Exactly. And it's and it's student athlete means, ladies and gentlemen, is we're going to call on that name so we can justify and reconcile us bringing in all the money and paying them nothing. But it also justifies their status as a nonprofit organization under the guise that they're an educational institution. But remember, though, you, you can still be a nonprofit. The NFL is a nonprofit organization. You got to remember that. So, well, you can they, be a but, nonprofit, but that, and still that's, have that's a different nonprofit because that's oh. under the uh, guise of uh, what is it called? No, I'm talking the NFL overall is technically a nonprofit. Now, each individual team is not. Here except it is. For the Packers. Here it is. Nonprofit. Nonprofits are tax exempt or charitable. That's why the NFL meaning is tax they do not pay so ta- income tax on the money they receive for their organization. They can operate in religious scientific research or educational settings yeah there's where's the end where's the nfl are they religious scientific nope. research or education i don't know but that's there there you could look it up that's the antitrust laws that care that protect yeah the uh so, well, the NFL's a little sports. different because they it's the, they've uh, kind of we've said this many times a lot of hybrid kind right. of organizations we've always said of those and if, if there was those antitrust laws that govern all professionals went off the books you <laughs> it would be a free-for-all yeah first of all the drafts would be eliminated immediately that'd be the first thing oh, gone yeah because yeah. drafts are illegal yeah they are completely illegal. Yeah, but I mean NFL. I'm not going to do because that's on the topic. But I'm saying NCAA. Yeah, yeah, it's it's still it's a system that if you create it to where the players get paid, even if it's just through endorsements, it could still hold on to its nonprofit organization status. Yeah. All right, uh, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Race. This is crazy stuff, right? It's unbelievable. This is absolutely well, it's crazy, crazy is stuff. they want to call something something else, and then mm-hmm. when you tell them that it's the actual thing that they're trying to deny, right? It's like they can't quite put the. You know, they can't quite put it together. It's All right. Well, um, we talk about nonprofit it. organization. Lots of people are profiting. Who is profiting the most? We're going to tell you coming up next. Harvin and Papinga talking all the uh, big money that's floating out there and uh, who exactly is coming away with the money. I actually uh, had a good laugh about this. So USA Today came out with a list of the current salaries of all the major college basketball coaches. Uh-huh. And you see Mike Krzyzewski at the top of the list. Should be, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, eight, well, basically $9 million a year. 
That's that's the salary he's getting paid by his school. Nine million. Nine Woo! million. I mean, I just I, I don't know why it just shocked me there, but as you break down this whole organizational thing of this nonprofit and mm-hmm. you know, it's amateurism. Right. I mean, how does a guy make nine million bucks? That's in that, that is school pay. Eight million nine hundred and eighty two thousand three hundred and twenty five dollars. That's public funds right there. That is ex- uh, well it's a private school. Oh wait, that, that, that's right. Oh, wait, then why does his yeah, his should how does he get his uh, publicized. Usually, they don't publicize. Private. Well, I don't know. They 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 find these things out. Okay. And by okay. the way, uh, when the number came out, no one was disputing it. Let's put it that way. Okay. All right. But it makes sense. Uh, Calipari, seven point four five million dollars, and then you look at the third guy in the list, Chris Holtman, hmm. first year coach at Ohio State, seven point one four nine million. Now, wow. immediately, Ohio State's like, uh, no, 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 no. Now, the reason they were saying no, 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 is that if he was making $7.15 million, that's more than, well, Urban Meyer's making at Ohio State. Wow. So they said, no, 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 no. You got the number wrong. He's making about $2.7 million, not $7.1 million. You say, where did they come up with the $7.1 million? Well, what happened was, can you imagine this? The school paid Butler. He had been the coach at Butler. Mm-hmm. $2 million in a buyout, but then they had to pay taxes on the buyout, which brought the total to about $4 million. Can you imagine? I mean, this guy at Chris Holton, now you remember, when we think of Butler basketball, we think of Brad Stevens. He was the yeah, guy that yeah. literally put Butler on that stratosphere, yeah, on the now the coach of the Celtics. Then they brought in some guy for a year. It failed. Then they brought in this Holtman guy. He started winning 20 games a year for like three years. They end up paying over like $4 million to buy out his deal mm. for that kind of a coach. Anyway, so uh, the idea that Holtman's the third highest paid coach is certainly in question. Then you got Bill Self. He's at $4.8 million. Izzo's at three point six. Sean Miller's at three point six. Uh, Bob Huggins at three point seven. You see the, all the top names. I mean, just huge money. How about this, Brady? 14 coaches. Are making salary now. This is not shoe deal yeah, money and all that. Just this is to just get paid from the school. Salary. Fourteen are making at least three million dollars a year. Wow. And as far as a million dollar salary, I mean, in this day and age, a million dollar salary is a pretty good salary, right? Yeah. For anybody, great. fantastic. Especially when you're talking about some of these guys at these small schools. Yeah. It's not like they're all in L.A., right? Yeah. Sixty-six coaches are making a base salary of at least a million dollars a year. Big money. Mm-hmm. That's big money amateurism right there. That seemed a little odd to say. <laughs> these, uh, these educational <laughs> institutions were, by the way, the, uh, the, the the amount of money it's costing the rest of us to send our kids to college, it keeps going up, 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 But up. I don't know if that's going into that. All the student loans that have to be taken out, yeah. trillions now in student loans. Yeah, taken but I don't out know if it has gonna... to do with that, though. That's usually coming well, somebody's from... Somebody's got to pay that money. Yeah, but that's coming from the TV deals mm. and all the other revenues generated by that sport. I'd have to imagine. I mean, unless they're just being done with their books, you know. So I wouldn't. I don't know if it's coming out of the actual college. When I when I left UCLA in revenues. 1981, which is a thousand years ago, that's not uh, that long ago. It, it would co- 30, it cost uh, seven years. It ago. cost to go a, a year eight hundred dollars a year. Well, inflation, you it's, know, it's, it's gone up considerably. What's it now? Curious. Uh, in state, what is it? UCLA. I think the UC is around uh, in state, maybe fifteen to eighteen thousand a year. 
Which is still a reasonable amount. It isn't bad. No, these private universities. Like USC, what is that? Like 30? 30? Try about 60. Whoa. 60. 60 years. Yeah, that's a private university out there. Uh By the way, have you made all your college plans for those four kids of yours? Oh, yeah, I'll get full ride scholarships. Don't worry about that. Did they all get a full ride at BYU? Force them to do that. (laughs) I'm slipping in, you know, certain little supplements into their food and. I get them up at five in the morning and I work them out and I make them work out or else I don't give them breakfast. Just kidding. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny because uh, no one was recruiting my boys for college, uh-huh. you know, which was good for me. But <laughs> unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, my daughter uh, is being sought after. She's a junior. Oh. And now we're getting all these, you know, recruitments yeah. and, and everything else and it makes me nervous. But uh, yeah, I'm glad all the coaches are taken care of. By the way, there's a lot of these guys making a million dollars a year that you wouldn't know if you tripped over them. <laughs> you never even heard these guys. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Lots going on with the NFL Combine. What is it all going to mean in the upcoming weeks? We'll tell you coming up next. Ah, uh, too much fun. Too much fun once again here on a beautiful Saturday. Hartman and Papinga coming alive from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. The NFL is the NFL because they do it right. They understand <laughs> marketing. Uh, you know, it was interesting last week, Demoris Smith, did you see that he had this uh, sit down with some of these yeah, uh, yeah. television executives and he goes, we got to be more like the NBA. I had a laugh. I'm like, really? <laughs> I thought that was the worst thing. It's like, no, the NBA needs to be more like the NFL. Right, he's talking I mean, about the me? NBA is growing Jeez. and we're dying, and if we don't change things, we're, well, we're going to be, I'm like, let's, let's dying. Yeah, why would you say that? Like, I mean, 60 to me, of the top that, 80 most watched ready, shows on television were NFL. You're about ready to negotiate a new deal. Yeah. And if I'm the owners, that's my spiel to the players. Like, I'm not giving you guys anything else. Look at our rating. It's why going down. Why would he down. say that? Because he's the biggest idiot known to man. You've just given the owners all the fuel to negotiate. You just started negotiating against yourself. He should have said the opposite thing. He said, wow, I know the ratings have gone down, but things are going as great as they've ever had. We're making the most money we've ever had. We as players are going to take advantage of this growth that we're now experiencing. But no, he sets it up to where, oh, we're, this is, we're contracting. Uh, yeah, we're contracting now. We don't have as much money in the system. we got to figure out other ways. I, I, just, I mean, uh, if I'm the owners, I'm like, thank you. We'll yeah. uh, use that in our next negotiating uh conversation wow. i mean it was it How was stupid. so bizarre because remember here's the thing the collective bargaining agreement expires before the network contracts expire so we we talked about this yeah. you know the cba is coming up in 2020 and the network contract contracts are perfect are for the owners right after it really is perfect for them this is what he said he said i think that the ratings information is significant and important if we don't pay attention to it I think that we do so at our own peril from a macroeconomic standpoint. Certainly, I recognize that we're lucky that over 30 of the top 50 shows were NFL broadcasts, but I think that you ignore at your own peril not so much just the decline in football, but the overall decline in ratings for most television shows and particularly sports broadcasts. And then he started raving about the NBA. He goes, I think it's important to take a look at what's going on in basketball because for the most part, I think they're the only sport that more and more people are watching. And my hat's off to what they do and how they do it in the NBA. Wow. I think you have to make the argument that there's a lot of programs fresh or hipper. They do, I think, a great job of marketing their individual players. Sometimes at the time when the NFL looks for ways to take their star players off the field, I'd be interested in better understanding the relationship between broadcast partners and the NBA. 
<laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking exactly what you're thinking. It's like you are literally making the case. This is then. Then the NFL says, "All right, well, let's." You're exactly right. We yeah. we can't give you any more money because you're right. We're contracting. Right. We need to preserve ourselves. If we pay you any more money, we're not going to be able to pay the rent on our stadiums. If we can't pay the rent on our stadiums, you're going to have a place to play. Well, let's also and get paid to the players taking a knee during the anthem. Exactly. I mean, if you're talking about marketing oh, the players, that's another thing. You brought up the let's let's do a better job of marketing the players. So one way to better market the players. Well, to and get apps. them and this stand is, with their hands I mean, this, over their hearts. This is who the players voted in. I'm telling you. It's crazy. And, and why is everybody why are all the players so upset with Goodell and everything? They voted in. They voted in those very print uh policies to make it to where Goodell could have them. I don't know why. I got I'm sick of these guys complaining. Stop complaining if you're a player. If you want to do anything, go and find yourself another negotiator who's legit. Demore Smith does not know how to negotiate. I mean, unbelievable in the media after negotiating against himself and the players. Sort of a sad thing. Well, especially since and I'm he's part talking of it too, to, because it, we as former players are right? also part of these negotiations. So I don't know, man. I don't know. It's uh, not looking like you could. I'm, it's not looking optimistic for us. Well, we, again, we got to get another lead negotiator in there. <laughs> we're getting yanked. I mean, it just it was, um, and he's doing this in front of all these television executives, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we need some help from you guys." Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, let's do it like the NBA. Uh, let's not. <laughs> all right, let, let's let's talk about what the NFL does right. Okay. Uh, and right now, we talk about this NFL Combine, which is a bunch of guys in shorts uh, running around, jumping around, doing things that they would rarely actually do uh, on the field. Well, it's great with these co- uh, with these quarterbacks because they're all relaxed, yes. no pressure. Sure. You know what? There's no d- defense. They're throwing at just guys running across the field. And they're, everybody's, you know, ooing and aahing at Josh Allen. It's like, I don't care. I mean, it, does he get the ball out on time? How does he do it? Like, there was a throw Tom Brady made in the Super Bowl. It was yeah. awesome. I yes. mean, he's getting pressured in his face, mm-hmm. throws it across the field into his receiver's lap as he's getting blasted. I mean, let's see that happen. I don't know why they don't do that. Tell me you know, how simple that would be, Steve. Put a crash pad behind the quarterback. Right. And you tell him, I'm going to rush you, and you cannot leave these. You know, put two cones down and say, you cannot leave this, and I'm going to run right into you. But I want to see you throw a strike across the field. You're gonna, I'm using a pad. You're going to fall down. Everything's going to be safe. Nobody would ever throw, by the way, if they did this. But you're going to get a lot better feel for how a guy's going to be able to handle the true pressure of the game versus just out there in shorts and T-shirts. But I'm going to tell you this. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Well, no, and we've seen this over and over again. Jamarcus Russell, Jeff George. We've seen these quarterbacks have oh these cannon arms, and yeah. they measure out and everything else. They end up as the number one pick in the draft, even though in college they're like, where was this guy? Exactly. He's okay. I, I didn't see anything yeah, that was flashes, so – I don't see yeah. him on any All-American list. And then they go to the NFL, and it's the exact same thing at the next level. Right. Well, be. So we get back to – but the, this is, to me – Outside of the season itself. Yeah. This is the best time of the year in the NFL because oh, yeah. they do it in, in sequence that makes sense. Uh-huh. All right. So you get to evaluate the players. And really, most NFL teams, if you're on the record or off the record, will tell you the most important thing about the combine are the idea that are we get to physically check these guys out. Yes. I mean, they're huge. they're shaking everything out. Well, they got their medical people there, too. Exactly. Depending on the that college who can... They can muff the information. They do. They and the sit down interviews, and then they have. So those are the two things at the combine that really are the most important things. Yes. All right, where they get their own doctors to check them out, and they get those one on one interviews. Absolutely true. All right, so you get the combine, and then after the combine, now of course we got 
these trades. So we've been hearing all these trades. Remember, none of them are official to March 14th. All right, so that's there. there's when you start exchanging some of the players and everything else. Then, obviously, we have free agency. So the free agency starts playing out, and that will all ultimately lead up to the NFL draft. Yep. So this is where your rosters are all put together, and then yeah. whatever's left over after the draft, and you fill some holes. No one does it better than the New England Patriots. They always figure <laughs> out a way to bypass all the big money free agents and just find somebody off a of scrap heap that somehow contributes yeah, to their team. Plug and play them, and they do well. And everybody's right. like, wait, we should have got that guy. But it's like, no, you don't have the system in place to take a guy like that and help him to be successful. But go ahead. All right, so if you were a general manager in the NFL, uh-huh. and you're really a de facto general manager because you know this league very well. Yeah, I could. I All could, right, so if you were put in charge you know, of an organization, um, this process, how do you prioritize? I mean, where where is your priority in putting oh. together that 53-man roster ultimately – Going through the process of the combine and trades, free agency, the draft, and everything else. How are you? How are you running this? Oh, first and foremost, especially if you're in a in a place like Green Bay, um, Buffalo, a lot of places that aren't the most desirable. And I'm trying to think of others. There's you know others places that well, guys Cincinnati or something don't like want to yeah. go to. Right. You know, yeah, Cleveland, Cincinnati. You're for surely prioritizing the draft. Right. If I was in New York, Los Angeles, Miami, heck, even Jacksonville, a place like even New England, uh, Chicago, but Minneapolis I didn't throw in there, I would balance it out a little more to where I'd equally place it on the draft and free agency. San Francisco's another really good one. Uh, I'd, I'd go both. And, but I'd still have, if it was uh, you know hierarchy, it'd still go a little bit more on the draft. Because the draft is where you're going to acquire the foundation core of your team. Right. And it's also going to be where you're going to set your culture. You're going to set it through the draft. These guys coming in through free agency, they already have their way of doing things. And if you get a bunch of them that come from different philosophies and trying to all of a sudden have at least one of them change, that's a tough thing to do. Like I can see one guy coming in and building your culture if he's, you know, an alpha dog leader kind of guy, but not multiple. So Draft is going to be the priority in all those situations. It'll just be a bigger priority in some places where it's going to be tough. All right, well, let's to go to Cleveland because Cleveland has everything right now. They have a lot of cap space. Yeah. They got all these picks. But the cap space doesn't mean that you're going to get guys. Well, I saw a, that person with the Packers. What do you do with, with that then? Well, you, ideally what you want to do is get some guys that you can you feel like can come in and immediately impact your team and right. help build that culture. And then – you want to save some of that, so when you get these young guys that you're drafting and developing that turn out to be good football players, yeah, you got to a recognize it quick. You know, don't wait around like John Elway did with a guy like Von Miller, yeah, uh, and Malik Jackson. By the way, that that could have saved them tremendously. Just going back in time, you find them quick and you give them below market deals. I was that guy. I, they offered me a below market deal. I'm like, hmm, I got a deal in my hand right now. It's pretty. I I'm, I'm set. Right. Or I can play this year out, risk everything. Get even more. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's the responsible? Tr- I'm going for responsibility here. You did know your wife saying? play a hand in that? Um, We all did because it was just right. like, this is irresponsible. Like, but you were already married. You had a family. Yeah. But I mean, but that, but I mean, that was the pack away. I mean, yeah. nobody. Right. Nobody. But they knew that about you. Yeah. But also, but I, I, in my time there, there wasn't one guy that they extended before he was a free agent. Right. 
that did not take yeah. that money. Oh, okay. Because they so made they it go. big enough to where they wouldn't. Of course, you know, they're also on a successful team. You know, but but my point is, is but it saved them tremendous cap space because they're not paying real market value for you because they're not right. competing for your services. That's another element of being a GM that these guys don't realize. It's like you got to find those core guys quick in the process. The Eagles actually did it great for a number of years. Oh, uh, about when Andy Reid was there, they were getting guys after the second year of their rookie deal. They would extend them and sign them to these really team-friendly deals, and it's hard to pass that up when you got you know a, a fraction of what they want to pay you left on your contract, and you got two years of risking getting injured. Is it possible so that no one's going to come up space. with the big money for Kirk Cousins? This idea no, that he's, he's going to get, get the richest contract ever. He's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. But there's really only one team in play to do that. That's the Jets. Well, then the Jets are going. They're going to have to pay him. That's the thing is like, and I and I look at that like they either going to have to pay him or they're going to send a message to their fan base that they're not serious about winning right now, and that's a tough thing to do. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Uh, one thing about the NFL that could help the game, forget all this other stuff, may actually get done. We're going to tell you about two potential rules changes that are very much in favor of moving the NFL in a positive direction. We'll tell you what they are coming up next. Harbin and Papinga, what's it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more in your car insurance? means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. All right, so, you know, again, 30 of the top 50 most watched shows on television in 2017 were NFL games. 30 of the top 50. Jeez. Still popular. Yeah. And they're still paying a, a handsome ransom. Yes. I mean, what did the Fox pay? What was the tick up of what they paid for Thursday night again? I forget. It was yeah, right when everyone thought they wanted to get rid more. of Thursday night football, they got more. Yeah, uh, and uh, by I the way, the ratings. Yeah, well, those are not the indicators of what the popularity yeah. of the sport is and what the value it is for these channels and these uh, content distributors. Because well, I'm saying content distributors because I can only imagine in the next go round of all the negotiations, you're going to get Netflix involved, Amazon, Twitter, Facebook. You're going to get so many different content distributors well, involved it is going to be just i mean the nfl is going to sit back and yeah. just wait for these well, fox, bids. fox uh, fox reasoning was very simple give us any other program that you can guarantee us will get us better ratings than thursday night football nada nada so done deal uh that that was an easy decision for fox um uh, but there are a couple of things that are being discussed and these are two rules changes one is a subtle change, and one is a dramatic change. I want to get your thoughts on yeah. both these. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's go back to the catch rule. Yes. And, and again, this had a direct effect on the Super Bowl, obviously. Yeah. Uh, when suddenly two receptions, especially one reception, <laughs> that was a touchdown, yeah. by all accounts, all season long, would have been reversed. No question. I mean, there. I mean, there's no question about that. The, 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 the first touchdown catch. You go by catch, the letter of the rule. That's an incomplete pass. He was, did not have yeah, control of the ball it as he went and down the didn't have control of the ball with two feet in. So, and all week long, this was something that the commissioner had talked about. And, and really, I mean, he was all week long. All you could talk about is, you know, people want to see catches. That was his exact line. And I guarantee you're right, though. There had to have been a discussion with the refs about, hey, well, you know, what, the, you know how we used to call these incomplete right. passes? That's not happening in the Super Bowl. Well, the replay booth at the Super Bowl is there. Yeah, and the commissioner true. was there. Okay, just but you, keep you that have in to mind. imagine that had to have been a conversation. Right, no doubt. Yeah, right. that could have been. All right, a so disaster. what is clear is they want to clarify the catch rule, and now what appears to be the final decision, and they have to vote on this, 
is the idea of controlling the ball to the ground. See, this is where the so rule the went off the rails. Still, like, cause like some movement and come out and pop out. What did it always used to be? All yeah. right, so let's say you go you've got the, the ball, whether you're crossing the goal line or you're going out of bounds, you have control of the ball. Clearly, you have control of the ball, and you got both feet down. And Touchdown then you land out or of bounds. But then after that, yeah. you go to the ground and the ball pops up. So now they apparently have gotten wise to the, the stupid rule and to go back really to the way it used to be. In other words, if you've got the ball you know how many highlights and you've got watch, two Steve? feet in, that's a catch. Do you know how many highlights you'll watch of the 80s, even in yeah. the 90s, where guys are catching it, they land on the ground, the ball pops out, one was a touchdown, you know, the ref immediately touched. I mean, it's like, man, all those catches would have been null and void. Right. At the days there. But, well, I always go back. I don't know what, I, I don't, but there's got to be some thresholds there, too. I, well, you know what? No, it should be good because what I was thinking is if the ground causes, you know, like if you catch it and you land on the ground. All right. Well, I'm going to show out. you the touchdown to Butch Johnson in the Super Bowl. Here That's it is. the one. That's Watch the this. one in my mind. Touchdown. Look at that. Ball pops out. Boom. Touchdown. That would not be a touchdown now, right? Not even close. Not even close. That didn't even look like a catch, though. Yeah. Well, the idea was, again, that he was deemed to have the ball. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. See, and he rolled over. As long as he rolled over and broke the plane. And he broke the plane. Touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. I I like that. I'm just thinking about in the field, though, it's sort of odd that if you, let's say you dive for a ball. Right. And so you dive, you bring it in. So now you're in the air. And you you tuck it up against your chest, and as you land, the impact of the land now the ball is lodged loose. Are they saying that's still a complete pass? Yes, if you have. Well, again, I don't know because that one seems odd. I could see it. Like, let's go to Dez is catch. Okay, if you're, and this is to me simple. If you're able to control it to the point to where you can extend it, catch. Get what I'm saying? Even if you're flying through the air, if you could catch it and with one hand extend it out there, that is, you've caught the ball in the air. So now whatever happens after that, either the, the the ball, like if you're not touched and the ball hits the ground, fumble. If you break the goal line, touchdown. Well, now you're talking about the like the Des Bryant play. Des Bryant that also hurts. Also, uh, uh, Jesse James, if you're able to control it enough to extend it out, that you've caught the ball. In that moment where you're extending well, it, that's a catch. Here, here's what I've never understood. But I don't get the, if, if the ground can't cause a fumble, then how could it cause an incomplete pass? So now, that that's never what they're made saying. sense. That's what they're saying. So, but uh, I still don't see though. Just maybe it's just you know old school thinking. But if you catch it and you're diving, you get it. You imagine it being in your chest and you're diving and you're landing. And let's say the ball, you know the the ball first lands on the ground and then squirts out. Right. That's going to be a catch, right? Based right, off of this exactly. That's, so yeah, as long as you have control of the ball. Now, again, this has me. to be voted on. All right, so that's... But also, though, so that what you're saying... Yeah. But you're, okay, that, but that, that's where the fumble is going to have to... They're going to have to discuss this whole fumble thing because let's say you're flying through the air, right. you're diving, you catch the ball, nobody touches you. Correct. You land on the ground, the ball squirts out. That's yes. a fumble. But if you say the ground can't cause a fumble, what is it, a complete well, pass? Well, but under current rules, the ground can't cause a fumble. That's what I'm saying. They're going to have to also adjust that rule because yes. if the guy's never been touched, he's still a live player, the ball squirted out. In but the don't air, get me started on it. the fumble rule. To me, a fumble's a fumble. <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, I've never understood that. Where the ground if, can't if, cause if, it? To me, the ground should be able to. In other words, if you lose control of the ball, if you had control of the ball, you've been you have the ball, 
and then you lose control of the ball before the whistle blows, to me, it's a fumble. Well, I don't yeah. care how okay. it happens. Well, actually, I was thinking, well. And let's go geez. back to the tuck rule. Don't even get me started on that lame brain rule. <laughs> Without it, well, Tom Brady would never even have heard of the guy. <laughs> That's not true. It was his first playoff game. They would have gone <laughs> back to Drew Bledsoe. On, he still would have won. All right. they didn't found now, that's one rule change. That we know needs sense, but here's the major rule change. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting discussion because that's 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 a tough one. Because yeah, well, that's the the scenario I'm thinking about that they're going to have to just dissect is that one where you're flying through the air, you got the ball tucked in, mm-hmm. you land, nobody's touched you, the ground causes the ball to squirt out. That's a fumble. But then now you're going to have to go to that fumble rule and say, okay, we have to adjust that rule because the ground did cause that fumble. All right, that's one <laughs> rule. But here's the biggest rule. Yeah. They are thinking after all these years. Oh, I like this one. Pass interference, 15 yards. I like it. I mean, this is something that's done at the college game. You know, I go back to the AFC championship game uh, between Jacksonville and New England. And this is the genius of Tom Brady, right? So Jacksonville decides not to run out the clock. And what does Brady do? He does this better than anyone. He throws the ball like straight up in the air. (laughs) <laughs> way down the field, well, right? To, yeah. And there's Brandon Cooks down there, and, you know, the ball's coming down, and, you know, the defender's there, and happens every time. Boom, there's the flag. No question. 60-yard pass interference penalty puts New England in position. Yeah, I don't like that either. But here's the downside. It's going to favor the defender because you're not feeling as pressured now. That's fine. But but here's the well here's where it can be isn't that a the complete defensive have that they have too many favors to the it's offense? It's true, it's true. But here's where the and, and this would be give and take because what happens is it'll it'll affect the scoring because now a defender will say if I get beat I'm just going to grab pass interference grab him 15 yards and I'll just take the 15 yards instead of giving up the touchdown. What they do in the college and game. that's why and that's why they adjusted it so guys wouldn't do that. Now you're going to see more of that. Where these smart cornerbacks, of course, they, they will grab where, the guy 15 yards. Exactly, they're better grab than a him. touchdown. Yeah, they're going to grab him, and, and and it could potentially lead to where you'll see less scoring because you get to live for another day. Fine. Yeah. So, but you got to equal the playing field. I mean, it's it really is not. All the advantages are to the pass. See, I'm a defensive guy. I don't have that big of a problem with that. To me, it's just like don't pass interfere. You know, and I and I and I look at I yeah, think but some Bouye. of these are so balls underthrown. You know how these work. If you throw it like Brady does it masterfully, you throw the ball up. It's slightly underthrown. The defender's so there. Adjust, he's yeah. in stride, and now he's trying to turn around because the rule is I got to turn around, and he bumps the receiver, or he's trying to still sort of maintain where's the receiver while I'm looking up, and then if he touches him, boom, there's flag flies. I, I hate that, hate that, and, and, and the I problem too, is but I those kind of penalties should not determine the outcome of games. I'm with you, but that, that's where I think the officiating should be a little better. Well, if It, it should be – see, pass interference – Don't get me started I, on that. See, this is what I think. Instead of you adjusting the, the yardage, keep mm-hmm. it like it is, but make an emphasis – Like this is what they're good at. Make an emphasis on that situation. When it's a jump ball, if it's an equal amount of hand grabbing and pushing and even grabbing, right. let it go because nobody. Because if it's equal, nobody gained a competitive advantage. But, but what's happening, that. I know, but that's where there needs to be an emphasis. They need to say in that situation, they need to, so basically what they need to do is officiate that situation, which is easy. It's a bomb. The ball's thrown high and far. All right, I'm in a different mode now as, I'm, as a ref as I'm judging pass interference. You have to figure out, is, is there an advantage gained by one or the other? And if it's an equal amount of hand fighting, you're going to let it eat. You're going to let it go. And I've seen officials do that. Well, you know, you know when they do do that? It's great. Is on Hail Marys. 
Well, they ne- it's they never, worse. You never see pass interference on a Hail Mary awesome. when you got people always jostling around, pushing people like a grok in the Super Bowl yeah. last play. But they should shut two that. guys down to the ground. He they had a never, shot. Yeah, but it was All equal right. though. That was the, but they right. should never call pass interference right. in that uh, situation unless it's like the guy tackles him and right. lays on him. Uh, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's it's 2018, right, folks? Yeah. Not if you're John Gruden. We're going to explain. <laughs> But first, awesome. uh, let's uh, let's bring on K-Fig once again. Give us an update on everything happening in the sports world. What do you got, Kev? All right, guys. Plenty of college basketball action at the moment. Early second half in the Big Ten Conference Tournament. One semifinal between Michigan and Michigan State. Right now, it is the Wolverines with a 37-35 to lead over the Spartans. Elsewhere, 18th-ranked Clemson with a 30 they're actually trailing now 39-36 to over Syracuse. Syracuse, a team on the NCAA tournament bubble. Speaking of bubble teams, it will start for a long period of time. The Arizona State Sun Devils were a shoe-in for the tournament. They've lost three of their last four, and they're currently trailing at the half against Stanford. 40-35, to 35, so they're currently on the bubble. Speaking of bubble teams, Texas picked up a big victory in the Big 12 earlier today, 87-79 to 79 over 20th-ranked West Virginia. Texas did not have Muhammad Bamba in the lineup there. Florida with a victory over 23rd-ranked Kentucky, 80-67. to 67. They lock up the three-seed in the SEC tournament. And third-ranked Xavier wins their first-ever regular season Big East championship. They get a 65-62 to 62 victory over DePaul. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some news out of the NFL. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network is disputing reports that the Bears are shopping running back Jordan Howard. Rappaport source there's, quote, zero chance, unquote, of them trading him away. This is in response to an earlier report from NBC Chicago that says the Bears were discussing a trade with the Dolphins centering around Howard and Finns receiver Jarvis Landry. And you guys mentioned John Gruden a second ago. Here's a story out of the combine. Tennessee defensive tackle Khalil McKenzie was asked if he met with the Raiders. Of course, his father is the general manager of the Oakland Raiders, Reggie McKenzie. His response was, quote, I've met with a lot of teams in very deadpan fashion. Uh, So... Pretty, pretty much, uh, he's uh, basically a spitting image of his father. Wow. Reggie McKenzie, not the most loquacious, and a car- apparently his son isn't either. Well, he easily could have said, yeah, I've met with the Raiders my whole life because I've talked <laughs> to my dad about football my whole life. So, yeah, I've met with yeah. them. What do you want? And the follow-up question was, so is that a, is that a no comment? And Khalil said, yes. <laughs> so, so, so there you go. Uh, you know, it's He's exactly it, like his dad. Very I, few I, words I, to describe what they're saying and meaning. Uh, I was with the Raiders when they drafted um, Reggie McKenzie. And to show you what kind of player he was, he was a 10th round pick. Yes, he used to have 12 rounds back in the day. 10th round pick. So technically an undrafted free agent. Exactly. He started every game as a rookie on a veteran team that won the AFC West. He's a cerebral guy. He walked in day one. They had a they had a void. They, were, they needed to replace somebody. They sucked this 10th round pick in to that spot, started every game on a team that won the AFC West. And, and with Hall of Famers all around him. Yeah, yeah, that's Howie Long. That's still Lyle Alzado, Lester Hayes, Mike Haynes. You got all these great players, and there's that tenth round pick started every single game. Well, that's where they got they got a very strong nucleus built up of players mm-hmm. with the Raiders. Unfortunately, yep. last year they couldn't get it all working in the right direction. The year before it was a little better as mm-hmm. they were playoff qualifiers didn't really do much in the playoffs because of Derek Carr's situation, but. Mm. John Gruden's walking into an ideal situation here. Well, uh, I'm going to get there in a second. By the way, you got to get to Hooters right now. Try their new smoked wings. 
Hmm. It's a whole new way to crave wings, and with all the taste, half the calories. You can eat twice as many. There you go. At Hooters. All right, so uh, John Gruden showed up at Indianapolis, and the first thing he basically said is, I'm trying to turn the clock back to 1998. <laughs> Don't do and that. And they said, well, well what, what's happening here? He goes, oh, this analytics and everything. What the hell is this crap? <laughs> what is this game? What's going on? What are you talking about here? <laughs> I, you know, I, I came in as a rookie coach in 1998, <laughs> and we turned things around. I, I this 2018 crap, forget that, man. We're, we're turning back the clock to 1998. Don't do that. All right. So now when he's saying this, look, I mean, he's playing with the media, but in some ways he's not. In other words, what he's trying to make clear is there were certain things that we did in 1998 that worked that I still think worked 20 years later. Not that I'm going to ignore this, yeah. but I know what made me successful as a coach for me to do anything other than that would not be me. So what yeah, I did when I came to the Raiders in 1998 is the same philosophy I'm going to carry in 2018. Now, is this a good thing for the Raiders? I'm a little scared by that. I I, I don't know what to think of it because, I mean, I do know what to think of it. And, and my first reaction is, is you're in big trouble because you're going to be way over your head. In this league today... You can't go out there and run this simple power o offense, and you know you got a car, a guy Derek Carr who he grew up in college and had success in the NFL with the spread offense, where he was out of the shotgun. Did he used play action too? You know, but most of it he had that base of being in the spread. And if you're gonna just say we're gonna go under center and we're gonna five step, seven step drop play action, pound the ball like the 1998 version of the Raiders, then you're in pro- you're in trouble because that's not who Derek Carr is. But having said that, I have heard that he is going to run more spread. Also, he has a phenomenal, if not one of the best, the best offensive lines in all of football. Got a heck of a running back. Got actually, I'd say, good group. And this year's a strong class coming out of college. And he's going to want to pound the ball, have have a team. So initially, when he says that, it scares me. But when you start to break it down, I'm not as scared. I believe they're going to be just fine. Because he will be open enough to do what Derek Carr does well, and also he'll do enough to amplify the kind of talent and nucleus that was there waiting for him, which was never there in 1998. If you remember back in 1998, his first quarterback he had with the Raiders in the first minicamp was Jeff George. Yeah. And he had the story to where he's he's out at training camp, and they had Jeff George, and they had, I forget the wide receiver, some fast wide receiver, Al Davis, as you know, and he loves the vertical game. Vertical the game. Streaking wide receivers in that quarterback with the big arm that can throw it 60, 70 yards downfield. So they're doing pass scaling. And this is in, in John Gruden's book. This is where I got it from after he won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, yeah. James Jett. Remember, he had Tim oh, Brown. He had yeah. Tim Brown. But, you this know, was Jett. James yeah. Jett was that speed Speedster. guy. Yeah. And so they're in pass scaling, where that means you don't have any pass rushers or offensive linemen. And. Sure enough, and and, and and in that situation, coaches have a stopwatch to time, okay, the snap to the throw, just so they know that it's getting out under three yeah. seconds because anything after that is not realistic. So they're sitting there, and Jeff gets the gets the ball out of, you know, I, I, he does this, I don't know if it's out of shotgun or if he gets under center and does this five to seven step drop, but he just zips this 70-yard ball right. to this speedster receiver Catches it. Everybody's hooting and hollering. John Gruden looks at his watch. Took five seconds <laughs> to throw the right. ball. And he's like, this isn't going to work. 
And it, and, and that was basically what seven he step had. drop. Wait, wait, <laughs> exactly. wait, wait, wait. Throw the, <laughs> throw the ball. And he's like, we got a long way to go. Whereas now he's got a team that is a playoff pedigree team that has in are all they though are positions they, they got at, players now again the most alarming stat to me about the Raiders last year in all 10 of their losses they scored less than 20 points going into last season me, that was everyone assumed that their their need is defense their need is still defense outside of Khalil Mack their second best defender is Navarro Bowman? You're exactly right. I mean, they they, they have they have their defense. Bowman, to me, it's their they scheme. get Bowman off the scrap heap, and immediately he's their second best. Yeah, defensive but he, player. to me, it's their scheme. I watched them, and it was the year they went on to win the win and get into the playoffs. Right against the Texans, and I was watching what I felt was the worst called game that I had ever seen, and it was basically they were running a ton of, not to get too technical, but a defense that that basically kept the the middle of the field vulnerable and didn't give the linebackers much help on any inside receivers. And the Texans at the time with Brock Weisweiler as a quarterback had these tight ends like Fedorowicz just eating up the defense. And to me, there's a simple switch up that you can run to where it can protect the linebackers, but it looks like that defense that makes them seem like they're out on an island. And you sort of play them against each other so the offense can't figure it out. And uh, not until the fourth quarter, after Brock Osweiler had a pretty good game and the tight ends were lighting up the, the Raiders linebackers, that they finally switched that defense and they got a pick on it. And I'm like, what took him so flipping long? Do you know these and coordinators? So to me, it's been a schematic issue there. Right. That if they can get that fixed, okay. they got the player. I mean, I believe they got the players. All right. Do you know Paul Gunther? I know Paul Gunther, yeah. He is their new defensive coordinator. He is a Mike Zimmer disciple, too. Okay, well, Remember that's a good that, name to be associated with. Phenomenal. He's How about a good his coordinator. offensive coordinator, Greg Olson? Greg Olson, Atlanta Falcons. So he's had experience with Matt Ryan. They've had some success. Right. Uh, but it, it, are you just, crazy about those two coordinators? I, I Gunther, I like. Yeah. I like their defense. He because their defense is going to be like the, the Vikings. It's going to have a lot of deception. That's the problem with a lot of these teams. You can't like. Yeah, but, but you got to have more than one guy to get to the quarterback. But listen it's too to me. Easy to key on Khalil Mack. No, you're right, and that's what that, that's my point is that. There was this philosophy, and this is what the Raiders did. And this is Jack Del Rio's philosophy. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to line up and play. And it's going to determine that the offense can only do so much against us. But we're going to be so well-trained against it that we're going to beat it. And so we're going to be predictable. They're going to know what we're doing, but we don't care. That kind of philosophy, you can throw that out the window. That doesn't work in today's NFL. If an offense knows what you're going to do pre-snap, they're going to gash you. There needs to be more deception, and that's what, and more disguise, and that's what Gunther has. That's what the the Vikings do as good as anybody. They disguise, and and a lot of other great defenses. I mean, the 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 Patriots and that both too, both you know teams that contended. The Eagles do a nice job of it too with some of the stuff they got going with Schwartz. But my point is, is that it's you know, Greg Olson also is not technically their offense coordinator. You got to remember that. That's that's John Gruden. You know, the Greg Olson's just going to do a lot of the grunt work and Greg Gruden's out there talking and entertaining the masses through his press conferences. So, uh, but no, I, I, I'm a fan. I just, I, I get scared when he does say that stuff, though. I, that, I, I want to go back to 1988. That scares yeah, me because that's everyone, everyone, not where you want to go. People were calling him Marty McFly. <laughs> you know, Back to the Future reference. Uh, oh, that's pretty he, good, he Marty. I enjoyed that. Said uh, we're, yeah, uh, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. All right, when it's all said and done with this NFL combine, who could be... The biggest winner, we're going to tell you, coming up next.
Hartman and Papinga. Hey, we got great news. Quick way to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Want to thank everybody. Nick. Hey. See, Nick is now believing the Lakers are going to make the playoffs this year. No. Um, <laughs> I was doing the math. So they've won four in a row. They're 27 and 34. If they go 16 and 5 the rest of the year, that's 43 wins. In Puts Lo- them on the cusp. In Lonzo, we trust, right, Steve? Problem is, Josh Hart's out now. Apparently, Ingram's sitting out the game against uh, Spurs tonight. Oh, wait, Steve, what if Isaiah Thomas just goes off? See, that's the and X factor. to the promised land. Oh. He had 29 points in 30 minutes the other night. Oh. So, how far away are the Lakers from playoff they, They're six games out. They're actually right there. With 21 games to go. Like I said, realistic, if they go 16-5, and five, that would get them to 43 wins. Wow. <laughs> and that would yeah. realistically put him in the mix well, you know for what? the eight seed. That makes him so much more appealing to you for LeBron right now. I'm telling you, that is the best place for him to go. Well, this is the first time wow. in six years we're even discussing a remote possibility of playoffs. Hashtag so that's a positive for Lakers. Laker. Uh, K-Fig? K-Fig. Love his drop, huh? Isn't that nice? Yes. Wish I had a drop like that. And then Ryan jumping in producing as well. Ryan, thanks so much, man. Way to be, man. Yeah. Is it difficult to produce this show, Ryan, by the way? Is this a tough show to run? You know what? uh, What I just heard is turn the mic on and let uh, Cannon Hartman go. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Just let us go. Let the machine run, man. By the way, want to to thank our callers today. I want to thank all the calls today. (laughs) Well, we had some actually. I want to talk about some interaction on Twitter. Yes, you can. Jonathan Munoz, by the way, gave an excellent, excellent idea for this official, uh, this potential rule change of. Pass interference. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, have it be like the clear path foul in oh. the NBA in the sense that if a wide receiver beats a defensive back and he just goes to grab and Grab-I PI yeah, to t- yeah. salvage a, a uh, touchdown, make that kind of the spot foul versus if it's just, you know, you're, you're, you're hand battling or whatever and you both go up for the ball and the receiver ends up getting pushed by the the cornerback, and then they call foul. That's 15. I, I like that. That's a heck of an idea. That's an interesting idea. I'll yeah. go back to the 1954 um, a bowl game between Alabama and Rice. I'm okay. going to think about how you would rule this. Mm-hmm. So Rice had this All-American running back named Dickie Magel, mm. and he turns the corner. He's all, it's like a five-yard from their own five-yard line, and he's suddenly breaking it down the field. Okay, and he's running along the Alabama bench. Okay. So he's off to the races, and here comes all the Alabama guys in pursuit. They're trying to get him before he goes 95 yards for a touchdown. And there's an Alabama player sitting on the bench. Okay, he's not in the game. Uh oh. He's just sitting on the bench, and he's seeing Magel run. He runs off the bench and tackles him. <laughs> and as soon and and it was a great video because as soon as he tackled, him, of course, Magel never sees him coming. He's not looking to the sideline. He immediately runs back to the bench and just sits there and puts his hand in his head. <laughs> now, how do you think they ruled that? Oh, man, interference. They gave him like 15 yards and it wasn't in a 
They called it a 95-yard touchdown. I would have gave him the touchdown. So my thing about this pass interference is, I like sort of where he's going. I mean, if it's it's almost like situational officiating this instead of hard. If it's a blatant tackle, like a guy is running away and here comes the ball and he just dies and tackles the guy so he doesn't get a touchdown. Yeah. I agree. Spot that should back. be a spot foul. Yeah, I think it's great. I think that's a that's a good thing. But if it's just one of those, you're jostling. Exactly. And, you know, both guys are pushing and, it's and a everything judgment else. Call and he just the ref ends yeah, up that's 15 yards. Yeah, I'm with you there. I like that. that. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. That's, that's good what they idea. need. They need some fan feedback because it brings reason into the conversation. <laughs> These guys and they get in the room and they're discussing it and they're going back and forth. Sometimes lose. Yes. Touch with reality and reason. Well, you can always reach us via Twitter. Yeah, at Brady I mean, we'll, Papiga, we'll at Cannon Hartman. Competitive issues. What's <laughs> <laughs> tell you systems that it's you so can funny play. Because I, I really, I don't really follow our Twitter during the show. It's when I get out of here, then I go back and I'm like, <laughs> like "Whoa, you're an idiot! Brady's an idiot! How do you put up with this guy, Brady? Why do you let Hartman interrupt you, Hartman? Why do you let Brady interrupt you? And you guys are like interrupting each other too much. I can't understand what you're saying. Yeah, what is going on here? <laughs> We get a lot of that. All right, so ultimately, as we wrap up the Combine this weekend, uh, look, all the focus is going to be on the quarterbacks this week. You said you like what you see from Baker Mayfield right now. Oh, yeah, Baker. Well, I've I've, – latter part of the season, I've liked a lot of his out-of-the-pocket kind of stuff. And by the way, he's growing. Uh, He just grew another quarter inch. He he measured at the Combine six feet, five-eighths of an inch. Which technically is six-one. So he's only one right. inch shorter than Aaron Rodgers. So the last time he measured, he was at six feet, three-eighths of an inch. So he's Whoa. a quarter inch taller now. Well, that happens. You get measured in the morning versus right. at night, right. you know, that kind of stuff. But, but no, he's I, not 5'11". No, he's not your little, you know, Johnny Manziel comparison like everybody keeps Manziel measured at 5'11", three-quarters yeah, at like the combine. two inches. That's yeah. two inches yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. shorter. So. All right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm like a Baker Mayfield. Yeah. So, I mean, my top three quarterbacks would be Darnold, Baker, well, I go Lamar Jackson after that, and then Baker Mayfield. I like that. And by the way, a lot of dispute whether Lamar Jackson actually was told to work out a wide receiver. Yeah. Another fake news story. We get a lot of fake news. Yeah, there's everywhere. It's all over the place. You and of course, you got to be news. careful who you listen to. Of course, that's the whole thing about the combine. They're always trying to circulate. Oh, well, they got fake news. You know, continue to generate the interest. There. Yeah. So they always make you think, well, we don't really like this guy because that's what the teams do. It's, it's a lot all of- a big smoke screen, yeah. guys. Yeah. No fake news here, though, folks. That's a guarantee. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas, and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. 
I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.